Well, there goes. Wait for it. What happened? The day. Good morning, everybody, and welcome on this Saturday morning, April 25th, 2020, to the 743rd episode of the Dames Gone By Facebook Yo Podcast Yo Programio of the stream. Conmigo, with me, Dave Lefkowitz, my darling and adorable wife, Joyce Potato, and uh, all the folks who will be joining us to watch us and listen to the program, as well as, notice I'm wearing my musical headphone shirt, because later in the show, we're going to have a musical guest, someone who's uh, kind of a mini legend of the indie music scene. They also call it anti-folk. Um, and he's going to be <laughs> interviewed by one of the most, uh, someone who hates folks more than most, Rabbi Saul Solomon. We'll be talking to Jeffrey Lewis later on this program. Plus, we have all our other usual unusuals to get through. So why don't, first of all, we get through our basic normal, abnormal intro on Dave's Gone By. Good morning, good morning, good morning. There goes the neighborhood. And there was much rejoicing. Didn't your meds kick in yet? You got David Lefkowitz here. He's a Long Island Hearts guy. He's got his own radio show. I want you all to really enjoy a wonderful program done by a fine artist. A glorious thing of unparalleled beauty. Dave's gone by. Dave is one of my very favorite broadcasters, so keep on listening to Mr. Dave. Well, here we are in the neighborhood as I pop down, uh, pop down Captain B part even quicker than I normally do, trying not to anger the Facebook copyright gods. But ladies and gentlemen, we are here and we've got a brand new Dave's Gone By for you. And I'm really, really looking forward to this one. I, yes, it's still COVID times. Yes, I'm still sequestered. My wife is still sequestered. All our, our potato friends are sequestering. I hope you've been well. Hope you've been doing okay. It's been another strange week in the day. But did any of you feel like me earlier in this week when you thought, you know, I should buy a big ass drum of oil? Do you think about this? Because that was that day, it was Tuesday or Wednesday, when the price of oil went so low. How low was it? David, now on Facebook, yeah. they have a thing shared on Twitter, shared on sent to, sent to WhatsApp. Oh my, you see, this is, they're, they're connecting yeah. everything. Yeah. But the price of oil, literally, because it's been going down, 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 because people, manufacturing has been way down. People aren't driving anywhere. There's no need for this glut, supposedly, of crude oil, and, and even the worst, vulgar oil. So um, they said, that the price of oil actually went into negative number territory. You could buy a drum of light, sweet, crude, un what do they call it? Unprocessed? Unrefined. Unrefined. Thank you so much. Unrefined because it is vulgar oil. Unrefined oil for minus $36. Did you hear about this? That means that they would pay you to take the oil off their hands. You want to talk about cycling through history. I was alive in, what was it, 19, 
77, 78, when OPEC had the world over a barrel, quite literally. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly a drum of oil is $150, Their gas prices were $5 if you could get it. And there was odd and even days and cars would lying up around the block on Tuesdays or Thursdays, or it was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday car to, to just get filled. And by the time you would start at the back of a line, and an hour and a half later, you would burn so much gas that you use half a tank just filling your tank with gasoline. And the gasoline back four or five dollars. And, and because there was such a terrible oil shortage back in the day. Or it was a natural resources. It's not forever replenishing. We all figured by now, considering how the world is growing and growing and manufacturing and countries that were once quote unquote third world are now already second world in terms of what they're producing and making in China and stuff. We, we should have been out of oil by now. There should be no oil, okay? And have the car manufacturers not kept people from making electric cars and had uh, you know, politicians and lobbyists kept the solar industry down, we wouldn't care. <laughs> we wouldn't have needed any oil because we would have all these alternative sources of energy, right, of sources of power. Instead, we kept relying on oil. Everybody forgot, thank God, the Jimmy Carter years. The Reagan came in, people had some money, and they're like, let's get some bigger gas guzzling cars because they're really cool. And, and people are stupid. We know this. We know this from all the people that I see walking around when I go back and forth to the supermarket uh, without masks. People are dumb, you know? So, and yet maybe they're not so dumb because right now we're in a situation <laughs> where there is more oil. Uh, I'm surprised the Arabs aren't dumping it into the Gulf just to, just to get rid of it. Just to say, uh, nobody's looking. Uh, let's drive up the price a little bit, right? 36 minus, minus $36 for a drum of oil. They'll pay you to take it away. Of course, there's costs involved because you have to take it and then you have to keep it and store it somewhere so it's not it's not suddenly free and besides how many of us have a backyard big enough well i guess if you're in greeley colorado if you have a, a farm big enough to house fracking you can put a bunch of oil drums on there and, and make a tidy sum because you know oil is not going to be this cheap forever or for a long time but didn't it occur to you it's like if i can get some friends together right friends with big backyards we'll buy 10 oil drums and just let them say, we'll hold them there. It doesn't spoil. It doesn't go bad. It's not like we're buying milk, right? Um, it's not like we're opening a sperm bank. There's no way. You just put in a drum, you let it sit, and then you let the, this COVID crisis go its merry way. You let a year or two or three go by, and things cycle, and things change as they do. And suddenly, oil will go... And then it'll be back to three and a half, four dollars a gallon. And then a drum will be eighty to a hundred dollars a drum. And now, haha, you start selling that light, sweet, crude, gallon by gallon by gallon, and you're you're set for life. So I think oil is still really cheap. If anybody wants to go in with me, like you know, I'll pay the minus thirty-six dollars gladly. You know, fine. If you've got the backyard space, and we'll, we'll we'll do some deals. Think about it. Just a thought here from Dave on Dave's Gone By on this Saturday, April 25th, 2020. We're calling this episode Looney Tunes because our guest is going to be indie musician 
Jeffrey Lewis. He's been, I wouldn't call him necessarily an outsider artist. He's much more of an indie, and there was this movement that started about 25, 30 years ago called anti-folk. And it was still folk and folk rock and folk pop music where it was a little rough-edged. It's kind of quirky, sometimes autobiographical, very witty and clever in a certain way, New, very New York-based. and um, A lot of things were connected to a venue in, uh, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan called Sidewalk of New York or Sidewalk New York. Now, a bunch of these artists played there and knew each other. It was a scene, right? And Jeffrey Lewis became part of this anti-folk scene. Well, that scene is kind of gone, but he's still here, very much so, and very much making new music. He had a new album come out last year. It's real good. He's also got a new song out for COVID that you can go see on YouTube, but not right now because you're watching me. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis should be a lot of fun to talk to on Dave's Gone By. Unfortunately, I'm not the one who's going to be talking to him because Rabbi Saul Solomon, founder and spiritual leader of Temple Sons of Bitches, will be doing the interview with Jeffrey Lewis. So that's going to be, that should be a lot of fun. And speaking of Rabbi Saul Solomon, we're going to play uh, the audio of his appearance this week as part of a theater festival. Now check this out. This is, you know, Rabbi Saul Solomon, he did his stage show a few years ago called Shalom Dammit, an evening with Rabbi Saul Solomon. He did it off off Broadway at the Richmond Shepherd Theater, and he did it later on at the Roy Arias Theater, and he just did a reading again last year at the Dramatist Guild Foundation. So he's still out there, he's still pushing this show, he still wants to do it somewhere, and not just, you know, he's Jewish, he's not going to give it away for free on the internet, you got to pay for it. Uh, even though you can see an early version of the show for free on YouTube, just by looking for Shalom Damage and, and his name. But here's the deal, uh, and also you can go to his website, shalomdamage.com. But he, Rabbi Saul, wants to be back in the theater game. And being the, the poor Shlemiel that he is, he's thinking of this right now when there's no theater. <laughs> it was like, hey, he's thinking, I can probably get a theater really cheap right now. Uh, these things that cost you know, $700 a day to rent to do two shows are like, hey, come on in. We're, 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 use, the, use the space. Of course, you can't invite anybody to see it. But the rabbi is such a narcissist anyway, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> he'll get up on stage and he'll just start, start doing it. But here's the deal. He, he, he likes the idea of being theatrical, of putting his stuff out there. And he read about this festival that was conjured up by a Brooklyn theater troupe called Irondale Ensemble Company. Irondale Ensemble has been around there an experimental and kind of not physical, but an experiential theater troupe on some level. And they've got this big space in Brooklyn, right? And so they're not putting on any shows at the moment. They got to cancel a bunch of things. But like so many theater companies, they're trying to prove, hey, we're still alive. We're still here. We want to keep our name out there. And hey, if you can donate anything, we'd love it. Because I'm sure most of their actors aren't paid to begin with, but they have staff and they have stuff to do. And they have to keep going for however long this COVID thing's going on. So they said, hey, it's April, or going to be April 23rd, Shakespeare's birthday. Why not have a theater festival that will be devoted to Shakespeare online, and we just get anybody who wants to participate 
to participate. Now, Rabbi Saul wouldn't tell you that part. Rabbi Saul would say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be in a theater festival. And among the other people in this festival are, uh, or were scheduled to be Katie Huffman, friend of the neighborhood. She's a friend of the neighborhood. So is Daphne Rubin Vega taking part. Ray Fines, one of the great actors of the generation, Rufus Wainwright, Michael Musto, like so all these, these big names sprinkled among the people taking part in Irondale Ensemble's Shakespeare Sonnet Marathon. And they think, we're going to do this, we're going to go from noon until eight, eight o'clock at night on Shakespeare's birthday, and all these people will pick a sonnet and do it live on virtual, digitally. No, obviously it's not a theater festival physically anywhere. Iron D-A-L-E, right? Iron Dale. Iron Dale, like Hill and Dale, Iron Dale Ensemble. Uh, well, the, the theater itself is in Brooklyn. Everybody is working from their homes, obviously. And so they did it on Wednesday or Thursday, April 23rd, whenever Shakespeare's birthday was this week, I guess Thursday. And people tuned in and all these celebrities and non-celebrities and folks took part getting about just enough time to do a sonnet and say a little something about it. Well, Rabbi Saul could not resist this opportunity. It was, it was called Sonnet Marathon. Sonnet-thon would have been better. You know, that would have been clear. You know, Sonnet-thon. But Rabbi Saul took part. And wonderfully, thank goodness. Can I put the link in the yeah, thing? To which? Facebook. Yeah, do it up, do it up. Uh, Rabbi Saul took part in this. And what's lovely is we were able to save the video of him doing it because it went actually pretty, pretty well, I, I like to think. Say what I, they said. Well, well, here's the deal. He did Sonnet 30, which is, is a sad little sonnet about how when you're um, thinking back on your life, all you think of is really the bad and negative and the dead people and the, the things you did wrong and the people you lost. But you know, in the end, it, it's kind of sort of a happy ending. Okay, so Rabbi Saul chooses that sonnet to do. And he prepared a little piece about it, like a mini rabbinical reflection based on I what's in the sonnet. Yeah. The yeah. Shakespeare sonnet marathon cool, yeah. And he got some good, um, good reviews on it. He, he, people were watching and chatting live while it was going on. A couple of people say it was, it was very funny, which is... No, no, they said... They well, said so, well, don't, don't give it away because you don't want to give away the comedy yeah, yeah, bit yeah. until we play it. No, I'll just say, he's funny. And then the next one said, he's very funny. And then the, somebody said something about the comedy and the guy said... The, that really the, good. Don't say it because... One of the founders said, you're going to be... A, you're going to be a very hard act to follow. Rabbi, yeah. Uh, that's a Terry Grease was uh, one of the organizers of this whole thing. He is one of the founders and, and people who run Irondale. And, and after the rabbi got through, he's like, Rabbi, you're, you're going to be a very tough act to follow. And, and don't ever call us again. And, and... We didn't say that. <laughs> no, you didn't say that part. But it was very nice. I mean, it was early in the broadcast. It was early. Yeah, I guess it's a broadcast. Yeah. Early in, in the show, it was close to noonish actually, and the thing was going to run another eight hours. So to hear that, the rabbi was just filled with nachas. It was filled with joy. And I think he des deserved it. So we can't show the video on here now, although I posted it on Facebook yesterday because uh, the rabbi forced me to at gunpoint. But <laughs> so you can watch that at your leisure. But let's, let's play it. 
let, let's hear, because it is a sonnet, it's verbal. This is Rabbi Saul Solomon doing sonnet number 30 for the, um, for the matter, oh, where, where's my iTunes? There it is. Um, doing sonnet number 30 as part of Irondale Ensemble's sonnet marathon a couple of days ago. Shalom, hello. Hi, Dave. Shalom. Well, actually, this is Rabbi Sol Solomon. Shalom to you. I am Hi. Dave has recruited me to do oh, this. Great. So shalom to you. Hello. Shalom. Nice to see you. Where are you? Um, I'm in my shul, my little temple here, basically in a closet in the temple where we're all uh -huh. from each other, which what I like. Part, yes. What part of the world are you in? Oh, um, I live in my own head, essentially. So I'm, okay. I'm everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. Huma, are you the, the Iron Dale Ensemble head uh, macher there? I, I'm, I'm one of the people who founded the company. I'm Terry Grease. Nice to meet you, uh, Rabbi. Nice to meet you, too. Oh, I'm requesting recording permission so that I can record this and show this to my followers. Of whom Absolutely. I, yeah. So thank you, Terry. Very, very nice to meet you. Um, tell me when I'm ready to go or whatever. Great. Uh, What's, what are you going to choose for? What are you going to read for us? Oh, it will be a sonnet number 30 Great. when the session, to the session with Sweet Silent Thought. And so, so am I on deck or, is, or are people watching you're, this? No, right you're, you're right. You're going live right now. You're here. Wait, come on. Oh, okay. Let me begin. Thank you so much. <laughs> Let me begin. Well, so. shalom, damn it. This is Rabbi Saul Solomon, founder and spiritual leader of Temple Sons of Bitches in Great Neck, New York. And I am delighted to be taking part in Irondale Ensemble's Sonnet Marathon to honor April 23rd, the day William Shakespeare was born. It's also the day he died, but why be negative? And besides, who needs sanitizer when we can all be sonnetized? <laughs> Damn it. I have chosen to read Sonnet number 30 in Roman numerals, that's XXX, in Hebrew, yud, yud, yud. When to the sessions of sweet, silent thought, I summon up remembrance of things past. I sigh, ay, the lack of many a thing I sought, and with old woes, new wail, my dear time's waste. Then can I drown an eye, unused to flow, for precious friends hid in death's dateless night and weep afresh love's long since canceled woe and moan the expense of many a vanished sight. Then can I grieve at grievances foregone and heavily from up from woe to woe tell o'er the sad account of four bemoaned moan, which I knew paid as if not paid before. But if the while I think on thee, dear friend, all losses are restored and sorrows end. Now, what do we learn from this sonnet? First, it's ideal for Jews. It's depressing, it's about regret, and how tempting it is to rehash miseries over and over. Sorry, or and o'er. The Schmendrick in this poem sighs over spilled milk, cries over dead people, grieves of shayaf over old pussy, and then complains that he's wasting precious time being unhappy. 
Freud would have a field day with this putz. But of course, Shakespeare being universal, we are the putz. Even before the pandemic, who among us hasn't wasted decades on worry, fear, disappointment, inertia, and that most Jewish of bugaboos, guilt. The silver lining is when you have someone who brightens your day, a friend, a pet, an anatomically correct inflatable rubber Gal Gadot doll. Even if your loved one is merely a memory, it can erase all that sores of what Rabbi Tom Lehrer once called your drab, wretched lives. And so, my dear friends, in this time of woes and grievances, where we can't dab our drowning eyes because there's no goddamn toilet paper, remember the good times and the good people of those times. This is Rabbi Sal Solomon wishing you sweet thoughts and ended sorrows, and Charmin to ply. Shalom. And thank you. Rabbi, you're going to be a tough act to follow. Thanks right. for being with us today. Shalom. Shalom to you and stay healthy and well. All of I. You too. Bye. I'm looking at Facebook here. It sh shows that I'm supposedly live for, for about two minutes. Okay, good. So maybe I'm live. Maybe I'm live. Maybe I'm not. Maybe my handkerchief is filled with old snot, which it is, by the way. I want to remind you that coming up on this, this fine, fine programming, hasn't it been wonderful so far? Uh, we've got Jeffrey Lewis, the musician from the Lower East Side, and still, I think, what are you looking for? From, <laughs> from the Lower East Side. He'll be talking to the one, the only, the Jewish Rabbi Saul Solomon, just in a little, what about a little less than an hour from now, talking about his rather long career in music. He's put out a bunch of albums, both solo, excuse me, solo and with a band with other collaborators. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis is his name, and you're definitely going to want to hear from him. Can't play a lot of his music, unfortunately, because of copyright stuff, but we'll try and get a couple of songs that he, he did on YouTube, and maybe the rabbi can impose upon him to pick up a guitar and even do it. I, I, we're not forcing him, but it'd be nice, wouldn't it? So anyway, Jeffrey Lewis, Rabbi Saul, plus all the other usual stuff we do. For example, our Today Yesterday quiz for April 25th, which is today, 2020. Also, we'll go inside Broadway. There's, there's a surprising amount of news of the Rialto this week. So we got some Broadway news. We'll have a new wretched pun of destiny all about eggs and a Colorado limerick of the damned. And boy, this, this is one is out there for Cogapaxi. Colorado. Bet you didn't even know that even existed. Cogapaxi, Colorado. Oh, and there I am. So, just lower that down. I stopped the sound and you kept talking. <laughs> I do. I, I tend to do that. Okay. Uh, so, so a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to do. But before we do that, anything else you want to um, talk about? Or, or how was your week? I just week? shared it on my timeline. That's what I had to do. Ah. My week was good. You know, I'm just tired. Like, yeah. I just, I think honestly, like, you know, it's, it's just tough. I think, you know, the more people I talk to, you know, students, friends, people, everybody's being touched by this in every state. And it's, I just feel for people, you know, I feel like, I feel for people. I have, I feel very strongly for people. And I think I've been very lucky that 
um, a friend of mine sent me an article from the New York Times about some older adults doing really well. But oh, yeah. Yeah, but mostly people are quite affluent or have access. So I feel quite lucky. Because um, if you think about it, what do yeah. old people do? What do they do? They, they, they say old people. They sit. Just stop it. I know, I know you're a gerontologist. No, no, it's, no, no, but it's not about age. Like, it's about us versus somebody who's living in a you know, highly populated apartment building with no access to food or water. I mean, that's the difference. Water? Yeah. We no access to water. Maybe the water's turned off in the building. You know, there's, there's, there's people, this is the difference. I mean, COVID is like, this is my whole problem with like the, the eugenics and Darwinian and Malthusian philosophies is that they, it's not based on any health or intelligence or moral characteristic. It's based on money. Mm. People with more money survive because they can get better access to resources. And it affects people like colors, communities of color in New York are getting hit hardest. Yeah. So it's like, that's what, it just upsets me that this is the, this is the world we live in. It's just, it's upsetting. Yeah, it is upsetting. It's also, but there is also a sense that there was an article, I guess it was in the New York Times, where they interview old people. Oh, yeah. And, and it's the New York Times, so they're interviewing white, elder, you know, in good condition yeah. in nice places old beautiful people. apartments yeah you know. you know apartments that they've got rent control yeah, like from a, when a it library was, that has yeah. you know everything i mean gorgeous right? yeah and so these people are like you know this covid thing's not bad <laughs> well you're kind of nice so i miss maybe going to my friend but really not so much uh i have all my food delivered tell your listeners what your day is like mm. Well, what have my goddamn days. Yesterday, what was your big excitement of the day? Your work. Groceries. Oh, no, no, no. Yesterday. What did you do for three hours? Oh, oh, oh well, it, it really. I'll give them credit. It wasn't terrible. It was. It was actually watchable, listenable, personable. But you know, I'm working. I'm. I'm technically still uh, working. Sorry, just asked me to uh, save. The, the video of the baby. first part. Of save yourself. Save myself. So save somebody. I kind of have David, to. Wait a second. Yeah. Are, you, are you in Frank and Harrison Ford? <laughs> a little little Bob Dylan reference there. And, and Dylan did put out another song last God. week. Go figure. I mean, he's. You want to talk about opportunism now? When he put out the first song, yeah. and we go, oh, it's because it's COVID times and people are sequestered, and it's, it's this thing that makes people reflect about the last 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, in America, right? oh, and, and all of that, and, and but then he put out another song. It's like, oh no, he's just pushing a new album, <laughs> which is fine, you know. That's what we're all—all all these actors and stuff who who have nothing to do in their home, and they're joining the festivals that we've been talking about. You know, what, uh, yeah, okay, it's about their actors. They have to act. They want to do it, but it's also like, oh, who'll be watching me? What potential person I'll be working with or acting with later on is going to see me and go, ooh. When I direct Coriolanus in a year or two, I want that person. You know, it's like, I can't, we can't. We can't. Everybody has to self-market self even now. But, um, but technically, I'm working still. I'm, I'm being paid to work, which is wonderful, for a job that I haven't been to in a month and a half because I can't. I work in a place where, you, where at least I physically have to be there. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the what, is Mon- what is Cookie Monster talking about? Killer. That's like how Cookie talks. Killer. Oh, hi, Cookie. Oh, you're good. Maybe Potato looks like Cookie. Get Potato. I mean, no. Look, look at the eyes. <laughs> look at the eyes. Yeah, they do have... <laughs> hi. Oh, oh, oh. 
Oh, miso hungry for cookie potato. I don't even know where the hell we're going. This is, this is what happens to when you're cooped up for a month and a half. Oh, a dance mar a dance festival. Know, based on Como. Oh, <laughs> this is potato has developed it to honor combo. <laughs> yeah, this is remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how in one of his speeches to New York, Governor uh, not Mario, what the hell, Andrew, Andrew Cuomo Andrew. was was talking to his brother Chris, who was getting over COVID. He actually had a bad streak of it, and Chris was saying, "Yes, I was. I had temperature. It was really bad. I hallucinated, and I <laughs> I thought of you in a ballerina costume." <laughs> Waving a little magic wand and making everybody better. And Governor Cuomo was like, yeah, thank you, bro. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, Patego wants to reenact that moment. Patego wants to reenact the dream of Chris Cuomo. It's like in a carousel. Yes, yes. Wait, he needs his magic wand. La, 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 la. Where is the governor? <laughs> All the women love him. Love me. Oh, shoe fell off. Oh no! Oh, Mama always liked you better. You miserable son of a bitch. And now potato. He's, potato. he's evolving into hate. Yeah. Well, it's modern dance. It goes everywhere. It's, it's not you know swans and stuff. It's potatoes. Ooh. <laughs> Don't get the COVID no more. You're all cured. Oh and seen. Very good. Well potato. done. Here, let me fix your shoe. I think Potato will be cast in a big, maybe a big oh, dance part. Look. Wouldn't that be great if he was? I think you could no. do it. So what the hell? Oh, so here, here's where I was on this. Um, I'm supposed to be working for the place that I work for. Or working. How, how's that for grammar? Uh, you know, technically even though there's no work I can physically do for this place because I can't get into the place. And I'm not supposed to. I mean, it's not like I can sort of say, hey, I'll take a bullet and I'll go into the place. No, and I'll, I'll tell you because half the, the, not the town we're in, but the town next to us is a hot spot. Yeah. And the library is a hybrid of those two towns. So they're- well, I, Tell I, everyone I work in a library. Yes, I do work yeah, in our local well, I library. Would, yeah. I would not want to, if I were working there, most of the people coming in are from the high, yeah. the high hotspot oh, yeah. area. I would be like, oh, hell no. That's like a safety hazard. Oh, please. When they were talking about yeah. the books that came in after they closed the doors of the place, they're saying, well, it'd be nice if we could come in and shell them, but first we're going to yeah. leave them sit no. for three I days. I think they're very smart to stay closed because if, if you're in a high, they're like an endemic in the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I would be like, you know what? I know, but once books come in, I mean, I said literally, I would figure, okay, nobody will take the books, check them in. Yeah, put them on the shelves and like well first we'll let them sit in the carts for three days untouched I so whatever's on them i don't even I think, think of it, this stuff well the choose of the children's books are horrible children drool and oh them. they always so, were but i'm saying so that's like covid central yeah it? like if a child is like pooing on a book are you hearing of any kids getting this i'm 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 on the other end of the scale listening but uh, I, don't I know. think everybody, it's all like 30 plus. Yeah, what is the data on, on the data. kids from zero to 10? Well, it's, I'm looking here. So it says for people of 65 yeah. and over, they account for 45% of hospitalizations, 53% of ICU admissions, and 80% of deaths. So, yeah, wow. yeah. So the majority of people, even if young ones get it, mm -hmm. they're not dying from it. And, and As, so it's. Well, also the young ones are getting preferential treatment because the old, if there's a glut in the, and this yeah, is yeah. true, in the hospital, in the, the emergency room, mm -hmm. and, and you get someone who's in their 40s with COVID bad and mm -hmm. needs a ventilator, 
and someone in their 80s and they've got one working ventilator, they're going to let the 80s person Isn't that die. Sad. So sad. Well, yeah. That's not a, a wealth thing. That's just a, uh, how many years do they have left in the first no, place this thing. this is like an age-based way of killing yeah. people. But, <laughs> but the thing is, as horrible and gross as children are, yeah. and whatever they touch and drool on yeah. and wipe their tushies I with. I think apparently we have a lot of drooly children. Like, mm. there's children who are normal children, and then they're extra drooly. It's like pets. Like, you can have a pug. Yeah. You're very, you're liquid. You, the other oh. day, you spit in my eye while talking. Yeah. <laughs> you were just generally talking. If you were a child, your book would be saturated. Yeah. Well, also, back when I had allergies terribly, oh. my nose was always running. I always had a handkerchief hand. Oh, it was like, I, I was grossness. Sent. I used to keep um, my handkerchief on my desk in elementary oh. school. And one time the teacher says, Dave, take your handkerchief off. It didn't occur to me that it was gross. I was just like, I need it. It's right here. I, I use it 150 times oh. a day. And she said, I'll put it in your pocket. Were you ever taught manners? <laughs> and I said, all right, I'll put it in my pocket. But my pocket is wet with pee. Because I used to pee my pants when I was in the like, <laughs> At least let my handkerchief stay dry. <laughs> save yourself, Hanky. Save yourself. Oh, I was quite a child. <laughs> joy. You were a joy. Oh, true a, story. Well, I had a kindergarten teacher. There was two. There was one that was a sweet, cookie-loving, adorable one. And yeah. I had the one that was like, you know, frow. Like she, you know, she could have, she put fear into God, you know. <laughs> yeah, and she yeah. was. And so she had half her pinky was was missing and that we and she said she it got like run over on a railroad track she was like badass and in our classroom i think i peed myself once we had the highest rate of of wetting oneself as a child because of her and after my class she retired because oh. she was so vicious and everyone like all the parents would come and they, uh, this was a catholic school and nuns got tired of it because the kids would just constantly pee because, and, and then they gave us so our community of course was ethnic right Where yeah kids, they send this boy who speaks anthony who only speaks italian and so he would just color everything in red and he was her nemesis and she would scream at him so he would take the mash the, uh. the red crayon into coloring constantly and just wet constantly <laughs> <laughs> and then one day we had a fire drill or something we couldn't find them he hunkered down in the closet oh, wow. and he was wow. hiding in the closet uh. and he ate everyone's sandwich <laughs> then we couldn't find everyone's lunch and he ate everyone's sandwich while being coloring bread in the closet tell me please please yeah. that you've kept up with this guy on facebook no oh come no. on do you remember his last don't say it but do you no, remember his last I name i think he probably is an institution because we tortured him what? You know, we have an Anthony where we work. And <laughs> well, this could my mind didn't speak English, and he just, you know, and then the community was very torn between, so Austrians, like, straddled Germans and Italians. We were if they're them. lucky, yeah. But, but, you know, nobody really dug him because it was very Germanic. It was like, I felt so bad for the kid, and he would just sit there, like, scrum. Yeah, but I would love to know if he grew up to be, like, a, a wealthy industrialist billionaire know. or something. Or a serial killer. Either I'm way. Sure. I'm akin to people, but first I pee. Yeah, I don't, yes. <laughs> he had a very unhealthy bladder. <laughs> well, we, I, I did too. I didn't want to go up and use the bathroom. Wow. It was, and I thought, if I peed in my pants, no one would see it. It would just stay in my pants. It didn't occur to me <laughs> that I would pee so much that there would be a puddle by my seat. Uh, oh, you know, time. there's a, actually there's a Jeffrey Lewis, great Jeffrey Lewis song called Springtime, and he talks about springtime in a puggle. I would make yeah. springtime in a puggle, like you know, once or twice a week in, in elementary school, because uh, you were you were 
You who cared? Who knew? It wouldn't think. Other children see you peeing. Only well, only if it dripped down your leg. If it didn't, yeah. uh, anyway, how do we get here? Oh, well, yes, I I have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked. You, you told me to tell what I did yesterday, and that I was the thing. How we got yeah. Yeah, because I don't. You know, there's no work I can do generally, even though I have to sort of say. In order not to lose my job or not to have the government cut funding, we're all supposed to say that we did work. And, and some of the folks who work in, in the library do have work to do. They're dealing with customers. They're uh, virtually, you know, they have to answer questions, have to do research and, and so forth. And they're working. But there's others among us who are not of that pay grade for sure. Uh, and then we'll do that sort of thing. We actually handle books. And when there's no books to handle, there's nothing to do. But we still have to make believe. I was like, oh, okay, I checked out these library websites. I did this app and so forth and then tell the government it's fine. And, and I have been doing it, government. So in case you hold this video against me, uh, you know, I've actually been doing it. There you go. So, but every once in a while, we actually have to do something, all of us. And it's either a meeting of all staff or they made us take, and it's the dumbest thing to do this right now, it had been pre-scheduled months earlier, but we're supposed to take this seminar on dealing with difficult people because we work in a public place, a public space, and it's a library. Well, the library, you get the concatenation of eccentrics and homeless people, and, and that's just the staff. Yeah. But we, we get them, and we get people who are a little bit scary, a little bit disturbed, Just and we get a lot of teenagers who are a, a big, noisy messy pain in the ass and children running around and parents who are nuts. It's just, you know, and it, what's wonderful is how many people who work in a library situation and deal, they're either at the front desk or they're um, reference librarians or regular librarians, and they really don't like people. <laughs> they got the, the, they took this job because there's no other job they wanted and they love books. And they figure, oh, I get to be around books all day. No, you don't. You get to be around annoying people all day, which is exactly the thing you don't want in your job. You would have been much better off taking a clerical thing in a building somewhere uh, and, and getting your government stuff and your benefits and pension that way, right? But and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that sense is that I really don't have to deal much with the public. I've got to deal with, you know, my crazy coworkers is one thing, but, but them... No. Now, why did you learn to deal with that difficult situation? So they make us take this seminar um, that was supposed to be in person, and then they did it virtually yesterday, of dealing with difficult people. <laughs> and it's funny, when I got the email for it, all everybody uh, CC'd me and said, that means you, Dave. Go, don't, go figure. And so it's this woman talking, and I swear to God, you, you know how sometimes you figure, okay, it's a three-hour slot for this material. It's a three-hour seminar and stuff. And, and we'll be done by like, you know, two and a half hours, two hours and 40. This woman went to two hours, 59 minutes, and 30 seconds on this seminar. With a, we had a 15-minute break for, for pee and lunch and so forth. And it was just, it's all these very sensible um, you know, very logical and very good ways of diffusing situations of when you, sometimes it's right to avoid conflict, sometimes you have to engage and, and do the conflict in the right way so as not to escalate, but so as that, to make sure that the other person is hearing you and you are hearing them and all this kind of 
new speak, but it wasn't new agey. It wasn't, I mean, it was, it was perfectly fine. It was nothing, uh, nothing I could really make fun of it about, which, which sucks because <laughs> here I am trying to be funny about it and there's nothing to be funny about it. It was a, a very sensible seminar. One of the things that they talked about, which, which did interest me, was the last hour was all about different personality types that you have to deal with in your job. If you're uh, surrounded by staff and, and all these people, how do you deal with them? What kind of personality are you? So you filled out these, these little grid thing of, are you this kind of person or that kind of person? Are you this kind of person, that kind of person? Do you like um, working alone? Do you like working with other people? Do you like telling jokes? Do you like being left, et cetera, one after the other. And then they put you on a grid of four different types of human as it were, in a work situation. So you're either like the director, Fuhrer, overlord type, or the analytical thinker type, or you're the, um, so the howdy and people person type, or the gregarious talky type, you know, these four things. And, and where you fit on this scale is A, what you know about yourself, and also you can figure out the people who are difficult that you're dealing with well, where are they on that scale? Can so I if I'm a thinker, huh? so I was, yeah. I, I'm, I'm direct, but I'm also analytical, right, by my training. Yeah. And I, we had to stand in groups one time. They said, go in this corner if you're that. And people said, one woman said to me, you're analytical. And I was like, F you. I was like, of course I'm <laughs> I'm like, you don't think I'm analytical? Like, really? People can only be one? That's, that's so no. overly simplistic. We're a combination. Well, one thing I realized that in the job I'm in, I'm... I fit very, very strongly into sort of the analytical thinker, not because I, I have to put any thought into my job. It's mostly um, physical machine, almost factory-like work in a, in, a, in a you know very white-collar sense. And yet my personality is that of, leave me alone, I want to do this right. Uh, you know, but, I mean, I, I, that's the thing. I don't really give a shit if I, <laughs> I do it right. That's, that's kind of the weird part of where I fit on this angle. I'm just doing, I want to get her done. And yet that doesn't put me in the get done side of being overlord and fewer, which I was in other jobs that I've had, where I was middle management and had much more responsibility and much better pay. And, you know, I love the job a whole lot more. It's kind of like, but in, in this particular job, I'm, you know, thinker, analytical, which just means leave me alone. <laughs> my, my shit thing. I only deal with people. Uh, I want to think of all the different permutations of how something is done before I give an answer and boom. Uh, so, so it's kind of cool to know that, I guess, about myself, I don't know, or to think when I'm dealing with uh, people who might be difficult to me, to say, aha, if I'm this kind of person, and I know they're that kind of person, I can't approach them in this way. Um, I've got to figure, oh, they want me to, to be this way. Whatever. It's three hours out of my life. I'm paid for it. It's done. <laughs> I'm still going to hate the people I hate and like the people I like. And it's really as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Anyway, speaking of uh, things I do like and love, I love doing this program. It's called Day Abs Gone By, and we do it live every Saturday from 9 until noon or thereabouts here on Facebook. Apologies for having our uh, technical difficulties earlier, but we're back. We've got Jeffrey Lewis coming up in about half an hour. He'll be talking to Rabbi Saul Solomon, Jeffrey Lewis, an indie songwriter uh, from New York and still in New York, he's actually cloistered in his apartment, as, as everybody is in New York at the moment. He will be talking to Rabbi Saul. That's why we're calling the show 
this episode, Looney Tunes. It's our 743rd episode of the program, live on this April 25th, 2020. My darling and adorable wife, Joyce, is here. Potatoes are here. They're being very um, active part of this program. We've also got our Colorado Limerick of the Damned coming up in a while, the Wretched Pun of Destiny, all about eggs, our Today, Yesterday quiz, and grill. Oh, I forgot about Greeley Crimes and Old Times. Uh, we're, they're not doing many old times right now because the Greeley Tribune has currently furloughed all its, <laughs> all its columnists, but they are doing still cop log because I think the guy is a crime writer and does other pieces for the trib and he, he's paid for them. But, and and uh, what else do we have? And our Today, Yesterday quiz and Inside Broadway. So a lot, a lot of stuff. Is there anything else we have to talk about before we get to the, the heart, as it were, of this Dave's Gone By program, which by the way, is brought to you in part by Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway. They are a necessity, folks. These folks are part of the essential services of companies and organizations that can stay open during this whole COVID thing before, even during a shutdown, because they deal with UPS, they deal with mailing things. They're important, Hewlett Minuteman is. So if you don't need them now, Keep them in mind for when your store or business reopens, or certainly if you have an online business. Unit Minuteman Press, they've been owned and operated by the Torong, the Torong family since the mid-1970s. And if you tell them Dave sent you, you get 10% off any job, big or small. So that means whether you need new business cards, because we're all going to be out of work in a little bit, or if you have holiday and wedding invitations to do, if you want banners and flyers, or if you just want plain old copies, thousands of them, or one or two of them, Hewlett Minuteman Press is the place to go, and 10% off if you mention me, Dave's Gone By. Give them a call, 516-569-5577, area code 516-569-5577, Hewlett Minuteman Press. They are the copy kings. Well, let's make sure, um, what shall we do next, my dear? Because I can't, um, I, I don't know if I go on Facebook, if I can see messages or anything like that. I think you've got to, I, I can't see stuff, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to have to do some of our, our yeah, stuff. I mean, if you do the quiz, just do it. Um, yeah. You might have to do it a little bit differently. Well, I'll just have to do it without, um, I'll just save time. And if, if Jeff and Cynthia are watching, they're my cousins, and they tend to play the, uh, the quiz that we have every week. It's called Today Yesterday is a trivia quiz about things that happened on the, the date in history. So today is April 25th, 2020. There have been a lot of other April 25ths. What happened on those dates? I know that you know that there is an answer. It's kind of a long way to lead into the theme music for this, which I can't play a lot of because of copyright issues. But yes, it is our Today, yesterday, quiz. Oh. Yeah, it's okay. I'm, I forgot to bring in my all important folder, which has the big question mark that I hold up while you're thinking. I think we can live without it. Yeah, think of, think of a question mark in your head, as we do our today, 
yesterday quiz. So it's simple. I ask a question, you try to come up with an answer, no her Googling or wikiing or binging. Just see if you can think about it. I'll give you a few seconds and then I shall give the answer. Okay, and I do have my, do I have my musical thing. I do. Are you ready? I do believe you are. Here we go. Today, yesterday, the year 1719, published today, was a book considered to be the first realistic novel of English fiction. It was about the castaway Robinson Crusoe, and it was written by whom? I'm going to read the question one more time. Published today, yesterday, was a book considered the first really realistic novel in English fiction, 1719. It was about the castaway Robinson Crusoe, who wrote it. Okay, I'll give it five more seconds. Hun, do you want to take a, a stab at this one? Give me one more time. Okay, who wrote Robinson Crusoe? Oh, um, the guy down the street, Rocco. No, it's not Rocco. I'll give you a hint. He's not the friend. Oh, William Defoe. No, and it wasn't well close. <laughs> not Will, Willem Defoe. It was Daniel Defoe. Oh. Daniel Defoe, born. And did you know this? And this is actually true. Daniel Defoe, his birth name was Daniel Foe. Oh. This is not a joke. He was Daniel Foe. With the D? He changed it to Defoe to make himself sound more aristocratic. So there you go. That, that is not a joke. That is actually... I like that. Yeah. Okay, that was, that was our first Today, Yesterday question. Question number two, we move to 1792. Speaking of duh, folks. Today, yesterday, a baron asked Rouget de Lisle to write a rallying song. De Lisle wrote, Chant de guerre pour l'armée de Rennes. English translation is... I like, pom I like a pomplimousse. <laughs> Joyce says, I like pomplimousse. No, it's not about grapefruits. It actually translates to war song for the army of the Rhine. Oh, nice. So the melody of this song became really popular, although Napoleon and a couple of French kings banned it for a while. What is the song? And it's not... Okay, so here's a song. It's a song um, that was published today, or, or it was written. It was actually a baron asked this guy, Rouget de Lisle, to write the song. He wrote it that day, and we don't really remember the lyrics to Chant de Guerre pour l'armée de Rennes, but we all know the melody to it, and what do we know it as? Okay. Is it Funky Cold Medina? Not Funky Cold Medina. Want to give another guess? Oh, me so horny. It's not oh, me so horny. I, you were close for that one. No, it's... Or, no, wait, let, let, me, give, let, me, do, let me play it, as it were, or at least the, the rhythm of it. <laughs> Which is called the... Shores of Tripoli, I don't know. No, 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 it's not... It's... Dun, 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 oh, it's the song from Larry the Bird. 
No, it's not. It's not vocabulary. Cat-tari. No, you know that. What? It's it's a very important. David, so, I don't know. You do know. I, you knew it. You knew. You I got it. I don't know the name though. You know I'm a ding dong. It is the national anthem of France. Of your pants. Which is called the French national anthem. <laughs> there, there it is. Uh, think of places in France. No, no. Well, they they call it the Marseillaise. That was what was written today. Uh, back in 1792, by Roger Delisle, the rallying song. Okay, we got another today, yesterday question for you. We move all the way now to 1898, April 25th. Although years later, the Cuban Missile Crisis ended peacefully, Cuba did figure into a serious conflict that began on this date and lasted three and a half months. What was it? Okay, give me some thought, or I need some Cuban music. Oye, come over. He's not Cuban. What's Oye, me canto. Think of an Avista club. Right. Push, push, push. Okay, I'll, I'll read the question again. Although years later, the Cuban Missile Crisis ended peacefully, as I dropped my thing here, ah, the, Cuba did figure into a conflict that involved the United States, and it began on this date, and it lasted three and a half months. What was it? Darn it, I keep dropping this thing. What are you doing with the dropping? Ah. Are, you, are you ready to take some guesses? Um, you want to give a... Uh, Want to try for a answer? What well, babe? This is, is well, yeah. No, that's me. Want to, <laughs> want to try for a answer? Give me again. I'm slow today. Um, some kind of conflict began today in. Oh, the Franco-Prussian eight... conflict. No, not a bad guess. It is also a hyphenate, but it's it's a one that involved the United States. And Cuba had to do with it. Oh, the Franco-American War. It wasn't, um, wasn't Franco-American. They make spaghetti. Spanish-American. Bingo! There you go. I got stuck in France. Oh, the Spanish-American War had its day. Today was the day that the Spanish-American War started. I didn't realize it lasted less than four months, but there you go. It All lasted right. shorter than COVID. Can it be a war if it's less than COVID? Well, remember Grenada? That was the best war I ever. I say Grenada, I say Granada. Granada. Okay. Um, Granada, Grenada is where they crunch the data. <laughs> that was a dataist uh, response. I can't share you. It makes me crazy. Oh, well. Oh, well, we'll have three people watching on this show. That, that's just the way it goes. All right. In 1925, we're continuing our Today Yesterday quiz on Dave's Gone By. 1925, elected today as president of Germany was this general who won a second term but kept power by reluctant, reluctantly excuse mm-hmm. me, appointing Hitler as chancellor. Can you name this general? Little bit of history here. All the way back in 1925. Can you see Cynthia? Oh, you can't see if Cynthia I can't see knows. anything, yeah. I don't want to log in your Facebook because it'll boot you out. Yeah. Um, you look very cute today, honey. Why, thank you, darling. You look very feisty. Elected today as president of Germany in, this was 1925 on this date, was a general 
he won a second term on this date, but, well, no, sorry, a few years later, he won a second term. And he, the way he kept power at that point was by appointing Hitler as chancellor, even though he didn't reluctantly name this general. Hun, do you want to take a, a step? Wait, 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 let me, let me just count down. I used to be able to see Cynthia and Jeff, and I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know why it's not trying. Yeah, so I'll give you a hint if you don't know uh, this. Oh, Colonel Sanders. No, no. Think Captain Beefheart. DJ Jeff. Oh, hot dog, Captain Hot Dog, Captain Beefheart. Well, Captain what about Captain Beefheart? He had a song about look up in the sky. There's a dirigible there. A zeppelin. Which is also a, yes, yes, yes. Which is a, a dirigible, it's a hot air balloon, it's a Himmler? <laughs> no. There was never, no, no, there was never the Himmler blimp. The, the Goodyear? No. Uh, no. This blimp did not do well. Oh, the one that crashed. In New Jersey, yes. Or oh, I, I forget. Was... Hindenburg. Yes. <laughs> I was so waiting for another long answer. I was like, <laughs> yes, Paul von Hindenburg. I'm trying to channel uh, uh, Jeff and Cynthia. Yeah. When he died he, uh, in 1934 in office, Hitler yeah. dissolved the office of the presidency and, mm -hmm. and took all power, declaring himself pure. So that's, um, it was Paul von Hindenburg, Berg, excuse me, the U. Okay, we're halfway through our Today Yesterday quiz. Uh, okay, we're Cynthia, uh, maybe Cynthia and Jeff are playing on their own. We I think that's can't great. See. We can't see. 1926 is the year. Debuting tonight at La Scala was Puccini's last opera, one that was set in Persia and features the famous aria Le Sundorma, Name the Opera. So, you know, if Stefan Zucker's listening, he'll know this one. Okay. Debuting, it, it was April 25th, 1926, Puccini's last opera, which, by the way, he didn't quite complete. It had to be completed after his death. It debuted at La Scala. The opera itself was set in what was then called Persia and features one of the most famous arias of all time, Nessun Dorma. Can you name the opera? You want to take a stab at this Tosca? one? It's not Tosca. It's, uh, what's the one I saw with Michal that I almost had a heart, heart attack singing? I'm not sure. Did you see Bohème with her or did you see no, what, Figaro? I was in Italian or? opera and I was in the, in the... Traviata? I think so. When I was in those high seats and I almost had an anxiety attack. No. The final Puccini opera was Turandot. Turandot? Yeah. You know, I'm not educated in that. I'm just saying, well, anyway, anyway. I got no smart. That was the answer. It was Torlandot. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing that. We move up two more years to 1928 for our next quiz question on a visit. We were talking about Germany before. On a visit to a school in Germany, Frank Morris came across a beautiful German shepherd that he named Buddy. Aww. He brought Buddy back to the States where he made history. Why? I think he married Buddy. <laughs> it was it was a great case of animal husbandry. Love be wrong, right? Mm. 
So here's the question. In 1928, this guy, Frank Morris, was visiting Germany, fell in love with this, this beautiful dog, a German shepherd named Buddy, brought him back to the United States. What made them famous? Was he Rin Tin Tin? It wasn't. He didn't become Rin Tin. That's a great guess, but no. Want me to take one more guess before I let people know? Tell me. Well, no, yeah, yes, no. Was it Lassie? Wasn't Lassie. No, no. It was a very helpful animal. Was he a bomb sniffer? No. Frank Morris was blind. He visited Germany where they had a school of, um, at that point, they were already training dogs to help veterans of World War I who came back with various problems, including sightlessness. So he met a dog there named, it wasn't, it was actually named Kiss in Germany. And he, this is true. And he, had, he brought the dog back to America, renamed it, because he goes along the streets and here, Kiss, he, he, he run into some problems. So he yes. named the dog, do but this is true. Kiss in Germany? What, what? How do you say Kiss in Germany? I don't know. German. Maybe they go, Kiss. We say, that's, that's Italian. Yeah. Anyway, so he brought the dog back and started training him, and they became best buddies. And Buddy was the first guide dog in America. He was the, the very first. Um, How do you say Kiss in German? Because they were doing it, as I said, in Europe. Kuss. 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 Oh, Kuss. There you go. Kuss. Like, kuss. Give, me, give me a kussy. Yeah. Kuss. 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 So, and this was kind of cool. Das um, Bussel or Der Kuss? Der Kuss. Der Kuss. <laughs> so romantic, the German. You, kuss, Juden. How do you get your eyebrows to make triangles? I've never had to do that. They have great musculature. But I can't do the individual Yeah, but you get them to be like peaks. I've never seen that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyway. The success of Frank Morris and Buddy helped establish the Seeing Eye School for Canine Guides in America back in the 1920s. Kind of neat. Next question in our Today Yesterday quiz. We move to 19... I have a lot of questions this week. 1940. Happy 80th birthday to this actor whose first mentor was Lee Strasberg and who was in two major films just last year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman. Name this actor, whom you will probably never guess is 80 years old today. Me? Nope. Me? So think about this. Think about an actor, mythic actor, first mentor was Lee Strasberg. Mm. And just last year, starred, or, or had major, major roles in two films, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and especially The Irishman. Can you name him? Um, you want me to take a guess? Uh, De Niro. Close. Pacino. Well done. Al Pacino. Alfredo Pacino was actually his, his Alfredo. Birth, birth name. He came, came, but it's so weird to think of Al Pacino being 80 years old. He's a freak. Why do you say that? He's a freak. Yeah, but my feet are cold in here. All right, so, so go get some socks, but not before we finish up our Today Yesterday quiz. We have a couple more questions. For example... We move all the way to April 25th, 1978. Introduced by Tim McCarver, as a kind of a clue, on the local children's program, Captain Noah and His Magical Ark, was this soon-to-be-beloved sports mascot. Name him. This was 
April 25, 1978, Tim McCarver went on the local children's program, Captain Noah and His Magical Ark, with this soon-to-be-beloved sports mascot, Can You Name the Mascot? Timmy the Tiger. It wasn't Timmy the Tiger. Think green. Oh, Kermit the Frog. Not Kermit. No sports mascot. Oh, that Philadelphia Philly. The wah, wah, wah. The, yes, yes. Philadelphia freak in the hole. Keep going. The Philadelphia Philberts. The Philadelphia freak. The Philadelphia Philly. Philadelphia Phil. Philip. Philipstein. Uh, Fluffy. Freak. Phantom. Pandemic. If your house is really, really warm, right? Really hot house. Yeah. And you go up to the top of the house, a little alcove there. Oh, fan, what? fan, the Philly fan, Philly fan. Where's Where's the fan? Up in the oh, fanatic. Yes. <laughs> what? You got it. You got it. The Philly fanatic was introduced and on I this date. I love Philly. I love Philly. I would have known this one only because I remember it was one of the most. Um, like only only for someone like me was this a major major moment in my life what? we were on vacation in philadelphia yeah. and i realized that television was not the same everywhere we put on the tv the news channels were different the local and this was back in the day when there were three or four stations on the dial remember in ireland and the, the affiliate was different well that too. was much later that was yeah. this is when i was a kid i was probably eight years old and we put on the tv we we're there on a saturday morning and suddenly, instead of Captain Kangaroo, which I didn't like, or Patchwork Family, there's Captain Noah and his Ark. Like, what is this? Who is this? I want to watch this. Um, but I, I wasn't there the day that the Philly Fanatic debuted on that local Philadelphia program. All right, we have a couple more quick questions in our Today Yesterday quiz on Dave's Gone By. On this date, April 25th in 1980, President Jimmy Carter went on television to announce the deaths of eight U.S. soldiers. How were they killed? Hostages. Very well, yeah. What, what, more specific. I think they got stuck in a Lowman's bathroom. <laughs> yeah, they closed the Lowman's and nobody went to look in. No, how, did, how what happened? What, what went I'm down? I'm not going to say it. Why? I don't like to talk about them. Okay, well, anyway, Joyce did get the answer right. Um, on this date in 1980, President Carter had to go on television to announce another one of his failures. The day before, he had sent, it, it had been months into the Iranian hostage crisis, and nothing was happening, and he was a useless president. So he's like, let me, let me try and be the big hero, do the big Reagan thing, and rescue them. So they sent up all these helicopters in the desert to go get the hostages. And three of the helicopters crashed. <laughs> and eight of the US servicemen were killed, five were wounded. And because, um, because half of the, the, the copters had crashed, they had to abort the mission. And then they announced that they, they just had a disaster. It was an incredible embarrassment for America. And one of the great reasons that Carter was not reelected, usually in a war and times of crisis, you elect or, or reelect the guy in power like they did with George Bush, God help us. But yeah, no, that, that just, if everything else didn't cost Jimmy Carter the presidency, 
that <laughs> that announcement on in 1980 certainly did. Okay, almost done with our today yesterday quiz. Let's see how we're doing with our um, kids. And, and um, I'm just Jeffrey Lewis will be joining us shortly. Yeah, I'm just making sure we don't have any uh, hot, um, deli grocery deliveries coming in. Oh, sure. Do you want sure. me to make you coffee, baby? Well, why don't we wait until the um, we get our guests rolling, and okay. then I can. Yeah, sure. Then that'd be really great. Um, it's cold in here, no? I don't feel it. Okay, because you're. I'm here. I'm working. I feel the sunshine. I'm. I'm. Yeah, you got. It. You're yeah. on. You're yeah. lit. 1985. The next question in our Today Yesterday quiz, mm -hmm. 1985, uh, Roger Miller, Roger Miller wrote only one Broadway musical, oh, but it was a big hit. Stuck me in the butt. No, it was not. <laughs> no. no, that's the modern Broadway musical. That's all they write musicals about hey. now. It was a, Roger Miller wrote the, wrote this musical, huge hit that opened tonight at Broadway's Eugene O'Neill Theater. Oh, Long Day's Journey in Tonight. Was not Long Day's Journey in Tonight. <laughs> okay. One last, uh, I'll give it one last read through. April 25th, 1985, opening night at the Eugene O'Neill Theater on Broadway, a new musical whose score, whose songs were written by Roger Miller. Can you name it? Can't dance, don't ask me. No, no. A chorus line. I'm afraid you boarded the wrong twain on this one. That's that's a clue, folks. Twain, Mark nope. Twain, uh, Oklahoma. No, I don't know. I'm We're talking about 1985. I don't know. Not a who, who, small pond, but a golden pond on, on the lake, or uh, on the sea. Seabird, seabird swimming. Smaller, Managing smaller than a sea river. Yeah. Old Man River? What kind of, what kind of? Lazy River. No. Not, not a small one. Big River? Ah! <laughs> Cynthia, Jeff, please come back. <laughs> I don't know this stuff. I'm an, David, listen. Well, you I, don't know theater, I, I know. have a very, if you want me to do some data analysis, yeah. some, you know. No, this was a big hit musical. I don't know yeah. this stuff, David. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Not one of my favorite musicals, by the way, but the Deaf West Theater revived it about uh, 10 years ago in a beautiful production. And it was still, the, the musical's okay, but it was really, really well done. Anyway, it was Big River that opened back in 1985 on Broadway. Okay, we got one more. You'll get this one, I think. I don't think so. But it's another Broadway one. Let's not be hopeful. Here we no. go. Let's be realistic, David. The date, 1996. Yeah. Opening tonight on Broadway, directed by George C. Wolfe. Yeah. Okay, was um, a show yeah. called Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk, which does not, by the way, refer to my farts. Okay. okay. <laughs> bring in the noise, bring That's in the funny. funk opens tonight and shows yeah. off the amazing skills oh, of this tap dance kid. I know him. That's what I say. I think you know this I one. I don't know how to say the first name, but... Well, anyway, can you name this performer? Okay, so I'll say it one more time. George C. Wolf directed this new Broadway show, which opened in 1996 on this day, April 25th. Um, the show is called Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk. And it showed off someone who had already been on Broadway, the tap dance kid himself. Can you name him, Joyce, and everybody else? I can. It's uh, Savion Glover, right? 
Well done. And well done, all of you at home who uh, just for participating, you get kudos just for participating in our Dave's Gone By quiz. It was Savion or Savion, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, Savion Glover, who um, was in Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk. And he had made his name a few years early as a kid in the Tap Dance Kid. Oh, we seem to have, um, that's excellent. We have two participants. Um, let's see. Oh, your friend, yeah. Now we're gonna play some music by the man who's going to be joining us momentarily in the neighborhood. His name is Jeffrey Lewis. Um, hello. hello. I'm wondering, are you seeing him already? Or because I do I need to have him join the thing? Or is it automatic? Gallery view. Gallery view. Gallery view. Yeah, it is, I guess. Hold, hold on there because we're going to play a song yeah, of yours. Yeah, now he's on there first. He's drinking some tea. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So, so he was automatically. Yeah, I didn't have to let him in. He's drinking some uh, cocoa well, or something. Well, uh, Jeffrey Lewis, first yeah, of all, no, it's no. wonderful to have you with us in the neighborhood. You're not going to be talking to me. You'll be talking to the great Rabbi Saul Solomon. And it's going to be in a minute or two because I got to bring him into the room. So until then, we're going to play a bit of a song of yours, which is you know, certainly very, very appropriate in these times. We're going to keep it chill in the Eastville. It's a real bad time to take a trip to China or a road that leads to Rome. But what's the hurry? Because all that worry is coming right here to our home. And now it came ashore, and now it's at our door. It's coming for us downtrodden masses. And if you're short of breath, it's that old black death getting medieval on our modern asses. And the human race is getting put in place. I probably caught a case. I think I touched my face. I'm crying, holy jeez, won't you spare us, please? This beastie boy is not licensed to ill. But for now, I've just got to chill. Stay alive indoors for one day more and keep it chill in the east, Bill. Keep it chill in the east, Bill. Well, times were tough, but we had enough, and my friends mostly got by. But can't no one hire us, because there's a virus, so now we'll go broke or die. And I've heard some say what's on the way is a civilized collapse. And you keep pretending it keep on bending, but there's an ending when it snaps. And then the teeming hordes that can't take no more is gonna loot the stores, and then they're coming in for us, and we can't leave town, because we're all locked down, and there's blood that's gonna spill. But for now, I've just got to chill. Stay alive indoors for one day more and keep it chill and it Keep it chill and it chill. Oh, we are keeping it chill and downright chilly, ladies and gentlemen, in the East Bill, because we are delighted to be talking with an indie musician and a very, very talented one, as you've already heard right now, here in the neighborhood. I, by the way, am Rabbi Saul Solomon, the founder and spiritual leader of Temple Sons of Bitches in Great Neck, New York. So I know a bit about New Yorkers, and I know this is a dyed-in-the-wool Lower East Side Jewy kind of a guy. His name is Jeffrey Lewis. Let me tell you a little bit about this man while he wait. He continues to wait for us to get to him. He is uh, what they dubbed. He doesn't necessarily dub himself this, but he's an anti-folky. Uh, and if you listen to him, it feels like you're almost mashing up Leonard Cohen, Art Paul Schlosser, James Kachalka, and the Velvet Underground's third album. Somehow all in one person. He is also a cartoonist and a comic artist. He's had albums on Rough Trade Records, for example, it's the ones who cracked that the light shines through, the Leonard Cohen reference there. 12 crass songs, where he covers songs by a band named Crass. 
And his most recent record came out last year called Bad Wiring with his band, The Voltage. Listen to some of the people that he's either open for or played with. Kimya Dawson of the Moldy Peaches, Pete Stample of uh, Fogs era stuff, Devendra Banghart, Beth Orton, Thurston Moore. Song titles by this man include Sal's Pizza Has Sold Out to the Yuppie Scum. I feel you on that. You don't have to be a scientist to do experiments on your own heart. What a wonderful uh, title there. And the last time I did acid, I went insane. Ladies and gentlemen, I am insane with delight to be talking to Jeffrey Lewis. Shalom, Jeffrey. Shalom. That's the best introduction I've ever had. Well, thank you. It's all downhill from here. But, but I'm glad uh, that you like the introduction. Welcome, welcome. And how are you? How are you feeling? Uh, feeling all right. Uh, it's a beautiful sunny day. The birds are chirping. Um, and does it seem to you like the birds are chirping more this year because people aren't bothering them or something? I feel like I'm hearing more chirping than ever. Not only more chirping, but this is, this is the truth. Four o'clock in the fucking morning when I'm trying to get my beauty sleep because my, look how droopy my payas are. It's because the birds are starting. It's not even light out. They're not chirping for the sun. They're chirping. Who knows? They're chirping because they're not getting the Netflix that they want. What is it? It's true. Um, but this is yeah. true about the people are seeing more wildlife in other cities and, and suburbs. The deer are poking their heads where they didn't used to just because people are, um, are slipping. So are they keeping you awake or are you happy to hear them? No, I'm, I'm usually a pretty heavy sleeper if I'm asleep, but it's, it does seem like, you know, outside my window and now the, the trees are all blossoming and blooming yeah. and uh, the birds are just having a party out there. So um, that's very nice to hear. Yeah. I mean, you are the author of one of my favorite songs of yours is Bugs and Flowers. I love that song. And so, so are you a really a nature kind of person? Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely like a city, a city kid. Uh, but um, I, I end up, I, my, my parents, my father and my, and my mom were kind of back to the land hippies from the, there was a time uh, in the 60s when a lot of Lower East Side hippies we're moving to places like Maine and the, the land was very cheap up there. So a lot of my parents' friends, including uh, including my mom and dad, uh, got land in Maine in the 60s when it was just dirt cheap. So uh, although these other people ended up moving up there from the city, my mom never wanted to leave the Lower East Side. So we, we, you know, we stayed here in the city, but we always went up in the summer. So I have a lot, and it's very rural in the spot in Maine where my dad bought something like, uh, you know, a, a, quite a number of acres that he got for like 600 bucks, which was like, you know, like almost nothing. They were just giving land away in the 60s, practically. So, um, do you still have that? Does your family still? Uh, yeah, my dad, and, yeah. Yeah. My dad still has this piece of land up there and there's just a little shack. There's no electricity. There's no running water. It's extremely rural. It's just up a dirt road. So I've, I've spent a lot of time up there and in that, extremely opposite environment from New York City. I mean, that's where a lot of those songs have gotten written. I actually have a song about um, birds, you know, birds chirping and bugs and flowers and a, a lot of, you know, because there's such a, it's such a wonderful environment to get work done, to write songs and to draw comic books because there's just no distractions. There's no phone, there's no, there's nothing. Well, um, I just right, though, at five o'clock in the, 5.30 in the evening, what do you do? Uh, you go to sleep. Um, 
basically you, you rise with the sun and you and you you, uh, you set with the sun um, I've got a couple kerosene lamps up there like you know it's like the 1800s uh, in the evening I could light a couple kerosene lamps and write a letter to a friend on it you know every morning I go to the post office about a mile away bicycle over to the post office so anyway that's where a lot of um, you know even though I've, I've basically lived my whole life in New York City um, the uh, the rural environment that creeps into some of my songs is because I have spent quite a lot of time in the middle of nowhere in the, in the woods in Maine. Well, do you see yourself living in New York forever or yourself retiring to the little shack, maybe doing up the shack with a little bit of electricity or Wi-Fi or something, or, or, not, or maybe moving to a suburb or Florida like Jews should? What, what do you see yourself? Well, I am a, I, I am a captive of cheap rent, like uh, some people are lucky enough to be. I, I'm in a, a beautiful golden cage that I can never leave because I have a, uh, I have a rent situation that would be irreplaceable. So, uh, are you controlled or stabilized? It's a Michelama co-op. Um, the Michelama co-op system, uh, there's no landlord, so there's no profit motive. So everybody is just, uh, you know, paying the operating costs which are a fraction of what most people in new york city are paying because there's you know there's no landlord leeching off of uh, anything else so it, it, you'd have to be on waiting you have to be on a waiting list for a long time to get into these apartments but you know once i was in um you're you you're know in. you're never gonna give it up you're never right yeah. well, do you have, do, did you have a, a baby with your girlfriend are you married did you i don't know your current situation there Oh well, it's that's that's a whole funny long story in itself. But uh, Please, so yes. it's, uh, it's it's complicated. We we um okay. Well, for, we we were well, we were together, and then we were apart, and then we were together, and then we were apart, and then uh, I figured I, I when the whole virus lockdown thing happened, I asked her to move back in here so we could be together during lockdown. So then then she moved back in. So then we were like really to get you know yeah. stuck together in the apartment but then she got tired of that and moved back out but now now she's come back down to visit so i so um yeah i so, hear her at the, the sink right now is that yeah. her yeah she's visiting for the weekend so oh. i i'm not so i you know i don't know about this i i, I kind of like the idea of just being locked down and avoiding the outside world and she's a little more she, she's taking it seriously too but she's a, a little bit looser than i am in terms of feeling okay about going out and you know coming downtown and visiting me for the weekend and going back to her place. Does she I, go on the subway? I mean, what is she? Uh, <laughs> uh, bicycle, bicycle. Mm. Pardon me, I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst of drinking a beautiful egg cream. Oh, wait, wait just wait a me. Yeah, oh. I've got, mm. I've got my morning smoothie over here too. That, that's uh, but oh, I, that's too healthy. What do you have in that thing? Oh man, what don't I have in this thing? I, I love experimenting. I, I throw different stuff in the blender all the time and just see what happens. This has uh, blueberries, strawberries, uh, spinach, peanut butter, spinach. Beets, yogurt, it's a cherry juice. I, you know, it's it's like being Frankenstein. It's it's a great joy to own a blender. You can keep throwing things in there. And, this uh, thing like acai shit. What is that? What is acai berry? Where did that come from? It's something they invented recently. I, I don't know. It's some modern... Michael Jackson's go-go juice. I don't trust it. I mean, I seriously don't. Anyway, but this this is the stuff. This is an angry... You live on the Lower East Side. Oh, thank you, darling. This is... <laughs> this I is love a hand, the, the mysterious yeah. hand coming down from... Uh, that's great. This, this is my uh, my helper, my keeper, my handler here. Oh, thank you so much. That's great. So, 
Thank you, helper keeper handler. I should pay you more. What, what are people watching us? Are, are, are people seeing us? Nobody's watching this. No, we actually were on live on the Dave's Gone By Facebook, your podcast, your program on the stream. Oh, boy, I got, I got schmutz on my tallis now. This is bad. Anyway, we're on, we're on live on Facebook. So, yes, there are actual people, uh -huh. as far as I can tell, who are what, except we've had technical difficulties, of course. So we may have lost all the people, but this will be recorded, God willing, and then it will be available for all eternity. Which is oh, great. Well, I, I, yeah, I just didn't know if we were only being heard, if this was strictly audio no. or people are seeing us too. Yeah, God willing, people are actually uh, seeing this, this beautiful face of mine right here and, and, and your good looking face. Well, thank you. I should, I, I, you know, I didn't uh, see my makeup. Per no, here's an interesting thing about the virus lockdown. I'm sure somebody has already explored this. Um, when in history has it ever happened that all of New York City, nobody gets a haircut, nobody's been able to see a barber. I mean, my, my girlfriend, Rebecca, gave me this nice haircut. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but everybody- You have my hair, trust me. I, I know the yeah, few, yeah. few left up here, but um, the, the whole, you know, barber and hairstyling industry is shut down. So I'm sure there's a lot of people in New York City who are very fashion conscious, who are maybe never in their life have they gone two months without getting a real haircut, you know, what they would consider a real haircut from a professional. You know, everybody's going to have these homemade funky haircuts. And that's, you know, citywide. That, that'll be very interesting. Wait till you see all the old Jewish women. My God, the ones who go to the beauty parlor every two weeks and they haven't been there. Oh, my God, they're all going to look like, uh, I don't know, like, um, maybe they all end up looking like Esther Roll after a little while. It's a possibility. It's a good science experiment. That, that's one, one thing we're going to see what happens. Um, so how well, are you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Please. Yeah. Do you have a um, favorite egg cream? Uh, are you partial to, to one in the neighborhood? Are you like a, a Ray's versus Gem Spa versus, well, you have your homemade, you know, maybe, maybe the homemade is best of all. No, the homemade, if you make it with, I mean, this is a regular, this is just chocolate with, uh, with um, a little bit of U-Bet and the things, but no, if you make it with borscht and sour cream and just a drop, just like a little piece of herring, Oh my God, is that good? Oh, oh, and it stays with you all day. You, you don't get rid of that. Sounds hearty. I, I, I honestly, I've been missing, um, well, many things I've been missing, but uh, if reality ever returns, a, a, a trip to Russ and Daughters would be high on my list. Uh, you know, because herring, I, I haven't seen a piece of herring in uh, quite some time now. So. Please, you know, this ear is not very good on me, so I'm hard of herring. <laughs> uh -huh. Damn it. I'm sorry about that. But it's comedy. That's the kind of comedy I do. But speaking of missing things on the Lower East Side, do you, do you miss the place called uh, Sidewalk New York, which is where a lot of the anti-folk people did their thing and became something of a, you should pardon the expression, a movement, which I had before we started the show? Well, I certainly missed that place. That was my musical home stomping grounds. I mean, I, I would not have been playing music at all if that place didn't exist because it was just you know, open for anybody to walk in and play. And I would have been far too timid to ever try to get booked at an actual club. But Sidewalk was just very welcoming on the Monday night open mic. And it was just full of, uh, you know, weirdos and people of all stripes, all ages, all all levels of uh, of amateurism. So I just, you know, and it was always free to get in every night of the week. So even before I was making music, I would just go there 
because I was just broke and had nothing else to do. And it was just always an interesting place to go sit and hear some weird music or you never knew what you were going to get. Sometimes terrible, sometimes wonderful. And I would always bring my sketchbook and it was just a nice way to spend time. I would just sit there and sketch the artists, you know, all the performers on the stage. Um, And then, you know, when I started making up my own songs and I started playing them at sidewalk and then I started getting offered gigs at sidewalk. Well, would you like to do a set at 7 30 PM next, you know, on Wednesday. So I sort of slowly became part of the sidewalk music scene. And uh, it was like that for about 20 years, even though my, my own music developed into a whole career of going on tour and having a band and being on record labels and turning into this whole other thing. I never left the sidewalk scene. If I was home in New York city, I always loved going back to the open mic there. Friends of mine would be playing sidewalk. I, I still tried to play there at least once or twice a year. Um, it was just a fantastic neighborhood resource and it's, in some ways irreplaceable, but you know, everything changes at the city. It's amazing that it lasted as long as it did. It was there for about 30 years. Well, I haven't been to, for shame on me, I haven't been to the Lower East Side in a while. Is it gentrifying? Is that place going to be now replaced by a Starbucks or, or some giant hoity yuppie thing? Or is there still, can you go to places on the Lower East Side that feel like Baselka, that, that feel like they've been there since 1930 and aren't going to change? Well, you know, everything's gentrified, but that's kind of been the, everything was kind of gentrified for, it's been so long now that everything has gone through that transformation that it's hardly even worth griping about. It's kind of like, um, you know, nowadays people complain that the, the gentrified yuppie business from 2011 just shut down. I remember the old days when, uh, when you go to, you know, so it's, that's just the nature of cities, the nature of things in general, but, um, constant morphing but yeah there's still you know you can still go to uh, a number of spots which could disappear at any given time but there's certain landmarks that are still around uh Veselka, as you mentioned uh, that's the block i grew up on actually oh wow on, on east ninth street and um you know bnh is still there and um wait bnh the fogo place uh, oh no, not, not the the other B, the, the food B and H. I don't know if it has any relation to the photo oh. place, but there's a there's a little a little um. B and H standing for Bezras Hashem, I'll bet. No. Or maybe. Not. Oh, I, I, that that's a good guess, but it, it's um it's kind of like the little brother, small cheaper version of Veselka down the street there. That's also been you know it's another another place where you can get pierogies in the neighborhood, um, and you know there's there's a bunch of places that are still there. Um, St. Mark's Comics closed down last year. Also, the long, uh, that was the comic book store that had been there since I was a kid. But, you know, things close, things open, things change. That's, that's the nature of things. Can I ask you how much of your time and how you devote your schedule, since you are both, you, you really have to do little, like a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to um, Ben, oh my God, I'm forgetting the name. Uh, who is the cartoon? Ben Catcher, ben Catcher was on, on the program. He just has to concentrate on drawing and, and doing the, the books, the strips. You're a musician and comic book guy. How much of each do you do a week of one and then go another week of another or part of the day, one part of the day, another? How does it work? Well, Ben Catcher is fantastic. I, that guy's work, I, I, I love his work. Um, but it's true, he doesn't have to make comics and uh, make music and go on tours 
it's very difficult. Uh, Greggy. Yeah. yeah, I'm uh, we're getting ready for breakfast over here. But um, the the scheduling, my my own ability to discipline my schedule, it's you know, it's all just chaos, and I'm in a constant state of swirling anxiety, like, oh my god, I, I haven't worked on this project, and you know, it's been months since I touched that project, and wait a minute, but I need to work on booking this tour, but I also need to work on getting my new comic book out, and you know, it's just a, a, a swirling madness that goes on. I've, I've during this virus lockdown, I've created a very good system for myself, which I hope continues. And I, I've written down about 16, I don't know if you can see this on the screen there, I've written about 16 categories of things that I would like to get done, things that I would like to accomplish. And, um, so in these categories, there's a coloring, there's, there's a four page comic of mine that I'm trying to do in full color. So one of them is coloring that. Another category is working on my new comic. Another category is gig booking, rescheduling all my band's tour dates for May. I have to try to reschedule them for later in the year. If that, oh, I if think that can I ask you before, yeah, stop you there. What, what are the target dates that you're figuring? Because uh, you know, there's no point in picking a date and then it's going to be in sand and you have to erase it. So what are you thinking about? Well, I just didn't know what else to do. You're very correct there that there's just no predicting. So I'm currently I'm moving all of my spring tour dates to October. Yeah. And that might be over-optimistic or it might not be. I don't know. I, I've, I've made a rule for myself that I don't like being on the road with my band in the dead of winter just because driving in snow is very, driving in snow is very stressful. So I try to not be on the road during say, you know, December, January, February. So if I'm gonna do any touring in the 2020 year, it's gonna have to be in October, November time. So I figured I would at least try. I'll plan for the future just in case there is a future. And then if there isn't, then I'll deal with across that bridge. Yeah, we're all dead. Where it's not going to be a no. But so so when you tour with uh, the the band is uh, was it low voltage is the band's yeah name? currently right. So do you go? Do you get like an RV? Do you all go in separate cars? Do you, do you just rent to like a, a Hertz U-Haul thing? How do you travel if you're going like a Northeast tour or something like that? Well, my method in the last few years has been to rent rent uh, some kind of. Uh, like SUV minivan size thing. We, I, I, I bought my drummer this very small drum kit. It, it's sort of, it's, it's what they call a nesting kit, where each piece, it's like a Russian doll, where each piece of the drum kit fits into the other pieces. So oh, cool. we don't, we don't need an entire van, um, you know. And we're just a three-piece band, so we have a little guitar amp, a bass amp, and the nesting drum kit, plus whatever you know, all the mostly what ends up getting packed is all the merchandise for a tour because i'm bringing all my comic books vinyl records cds t-shirts so figuring out the merchandise and how much to bring is always one of the complicated parts of organizing a tour um but yes the three of us it's myself uh brent cole on drums and mem paul on bass that's been the lineup for about five years now and you know, renting a vehicle in New York City is very expensive. So I've I've discovered that you can find much cheaper rental deals a little bit out on the perimeters. So sometimes that means going out to Newark Airport or Jersey City, sometimes LaGuardia Airport. Um, because if I was trying to pick up a rental vehicle from, you know, right in Manhattan or Brooklyn, uh, they tend to be much pricier. So the first day of any tour is usually, you know, I got to wake up 
you know, maybe 7 a.m., drag myself all the way out to one of these airports, pick up the vehicle, drive back down to the city, pick up everybody, pick up all the gear, you know, and then we hit the road. Is it is but touring, uh, especially if you sell the merch and you sell it, it is makes a living for you. You're able to do it. You don't just come out. Sorry, even you make a little dough that you can live on. Even though there's no big record company that's signing your life away in blood to to help you do this. Yes. Well, strange as it may seem, um, for somebody who most people would look at me and be like, "Well, this guy can't sing and he can't play," but I've I've had a successful music career for 20 years for my entire adult life um i've I've had no other job other than making my songs on and you know and doing the artwork and the comic books but i i was very inspired there was a book that came out around 2001 2002 called our band could be your life and that was right around the time when my first my first official album came out on rough trade i'd been recording homemade cassettes for starting around 1998, but uh, in the year 2000, I was, uh, quote, discovered by uh, Rough Trade Records, and when I put out my first official album, I first started going on tour, and this book, Our Band Could Be Your Life, by the author is Michael Azarad. Sounds familiar. Um, What band was it about? Well, it it has, each chapter is about a different band um, through the 80s, all these independent rock bands like Sonic Youth and um, the Meat Puppets and Beat Happening and Dinosaur Jr. and Black Flag. And each chapter sort of details how these different bands created their own careers without the help of a major record label. They started booking their own gigs, figuring out how to go on tour and often releasing their own albums. and it was so inspiring to me hearing all these stories of these bands that have become very successful, well-known rock bands, um, really just were able to get in there and learn how to do all these things themselves. So it, that book came out at just the right time for me when I was just starting to figure out how to do that stuff. So I kind of just never stopped. I, I um, just got in there and honestly, you know, a lot of musicians complain about the internet, but the internet was extremely helpful for me to be able to book shows, organize tours, book flights, um, just put together all the things. I can't imagine how bands used to do that in the 70s and 80s when it was just phone calls and postcards. And zines. They would just mimeograph zines, and that's how it would go to fandom, but not much beyond. And now it's just like, oh, Spotify, oh, or or your place of choice to post things. And, and anybody remember MySpace? Remember that? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, before that, there was a thing. I remember uh, mp3.com was a website that a lot of musicians were very excited about in like 2000, 2001, because people would pay to get your the mp3s of your music. And it was like, this site was going to be the future. mp3.com was, you know, it's... Almost in a way it was the future, it just didn't make a living as the future. But but then, you know, Apple stepped yeah. in and they found another way to do it. Well, so, we're going to start complaining about how uh, the neighborhood of the internet has been gentrified. Oh, remember MySpace? That was so great. Uh, and then they closed down and now we just have Facebook and it's it's all getting gentrified and ruined. But, oh, please remember I used to type on a computer and it was just black and green letters oh i miss that so much it was love that's all you needed black with a little bit of green and a cursor going boop 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 that was beautiful let me ask you we're talking about artists who did um 
who got known even before they got any kind of a label were doing their own homemade music and homemade cassettes. At one point, did you ever play with or on a bill with or know Daniel Johnston? Yeah, absolutely. Well, he is my major inspiration. I wouldn't be making, I was just a comic book artist all my life since I was a little kid. I was always drawing and making comics and that was all I wanted to do with my life. And then, um, you know, when I got out of college in 1997, I started making up songs and recording tapes of my songs completely 100% due to the fact that I heard Daniel Johnston's music. And it was just such a, a mind-blowing, life-changing experience for me. That kind of um, uh, expression, that kind of artistic expression through making up songs, I, it was a complete transformation of what I thought. I never experienced music like that. And his songs were so powerful and so direct. And that, that was just my whole vision of what I would do. I wanted to make up songs, put, record them to tapes. And if people like, if the songs were good enough, if people liked them, they would just sort of develop legs of their own and people would copy the tapes. And that was, did and, you and I, I did, I did get to play, I played with him a number of times over the years. Uh, the first time I played a show with Daniel Johnston was in 1999 at Sidewalk actually. Wow. Um, he came to New York and played at Sidewalk and he hadn't played live in about 10 years at that point. He was kind of just reemerging as a live performer on, and I was of course very excited to be able to play a show with him. And I played with him a number of times in uh, Austin, Texas, in various circumstances. Um, was he normal? Was he, were you able to communicate with him in a normal fashion or was he? No, you, no, you really couldn't have a regular conversation with him. He was very sort of closed off to, you know, he would never look you in the eye. He would, he, he, you know, you, you could have a little chit chat maybe, but he didn't really engage or wasn't that interested in, um, you know, he was very withdrawn when inside himself and very shy and, you know, would never really just look you in the face and, and have a conversation. But we did have, a, we went to a comic book store together in, uh, in England. We, we did a few shows together in England at one point and, went to a comic store together and um so I, I i had a few different experiences and interactions with them and his brother dick who was his manager and handler for a number of years you know he was much you know you could hang out and have a conversation with him and we that's kind of like who i would be you talking figure to he would be the you figure the brother would be the more difficult type because he saddled with the name dick johnston i mean he, he must have taken so much crap in school i gotta tell you but, uh, but it turns out he's the nice, the, the normal-ish one. Speaking of normalcy, let me ask you something. You, um, you know, comic book guy, indie music artist, and a lot of your earlier songs are all about sort of being um, New Yorky. You don't mention Jewishness or anything, but there's a nerdy kind of insular aspect. You don't have good luck with girls. You let opportunities go by. It's sort of self-deprecating stuff. But here you are. As you say, a successful musical artist for the past 20 years and a comic book artist, you got an on-again, off-again girlfriend who's now with you. Is domesticity, can you still write the kinds of songs about life and being a shlemiel and a sad sack when you really aren't and haven't been for a very, very long time? Well, it's, it's definitely the case that as a writer or an artist goes through life, you're your your position in the universe shifts so you're writing from a different perspective and i think the the key to that is to continually 
push forward and to the key to to uh, creating from a place of authenticity and um, exuberance and where you're kind of surfing on the the crest of your own um, the edge of your experience and what where the emotions are really um, powerful for you is to you have to constantly let go of what you've made before and fearlessly dive forward into like well who what does the Jeffrey Lewis of today feel strongly about and is it not necessarily what a 25 year old Jeffrey felt strongly about or a 30 year old Jeffrey I'm 44 now and my my life and my perspective on things every no everybody has their um sort of intensive core of where you know what they feel most powerfully about and that's kind of as an artist you're con you're, you're it's almost like just like dowsing with a little dowsing stick you're walking around trying to find like oh where is the where are the vibrations like what am i scared to talk about what what feels most powerful to me what do i feel the most you know exhilarated about what um and those things shift over time but as as a musician you're in the odd position of having to exist as a live performer where on stage you become a fourth dimensional time crystal um of yourself you, on stage you're operating in a different dimension where I'm playing songs, new songs, songs from last year, songs from five years ago, songs from 10 years ago. And on stage, you become a representation of all the versions of you that you have ever been. So rather than being a three-dimensional self in the current day, the onstage version of you, you realize occupies a fourth dimensional Jeffrey Lewis in all capital letters, all Jeffreys who have ever been and will ever be are in this other dimensional uh, phase, which is which is why I think that it's a mistake for artists. I think it's a mistake for artists who only play old material. It's a mistake for artists who only play new material. I think the greatest thing is if you know if you go see somebody like, um, well, Lou Reed, you can't see anymore because he's gone. I don't want to see Lou Reed right now. It would be um, kind of horrible. But uh, you know, say Bob Dylan or some somebody's had a very long career. You don't want to just see. I don't want. You certainly don't want to see Bob Dylan doing the the American Songbook. Well, that's the last thing you want to see. Yeah, but well, you're right. you know, I, I don't want to just see him play songs that he wrote in 1965. That's a little three dimensional slice of right. of that's one moment of Bob Dylan. But I also don't want to just see him play songs that he wrote this week. I want to see the fourth dimensional, complete. You know. Yeah. Well, when God was writing the Bible and, and Moses was bringing it down, Moses said, look, I can bring down Genesis, but I want to see a little bit of Deuteronomy too. Genesis is better and Exodus has the best stories, but you know, I'll take the book of Ruth. Oh, that's recent. That's pretty good, God. You know, you want to see the whole, the whole panoply, if you will. Yeah. And you yeah. don't have to be like, um, like Bruce Springsteen deals with this thing. Um, so he can't be a 20 year old kid from New Jersey singing on the hood of a Dodge anymore. So he turns himself into uh, an Oki, who's a mass murderer and, and a farmer. And that's his way of being authentic, of you know, what he cares about. Yours is, is figuring out who you are right now as a 40, was a 42 year old man? 44. 44, oh, well, that bit mazel. The, the internet takes off two years. Uh, the, <laughs> the live stream always uh, adds, adds 10 pounds, removes two years. Um, you know, but like novelists, you know, somebody like Philip Roth or somebody who just writes novels uh, for decades, there's, you know, you're constantly create, to create new things. That's, 
and just keep your nose to the grindstone and keep keep working at finding new artistic expressions. Um, it, yeah, it's a never-ending challenge, and that's kind of what's engaging about it. Can you, um, at one point, you told a, a website called flaunt.com that it's hard for you to enjoy yourself. Are you anhedonic, or are you just Jewish? Well, maybe it's just Jewish. I don't know. I, I, you know what? I've, I've discovered during this virus lockdown that I really enjoy keeping to my um, productive schedule. Like I was showing you my list of things to do. I, I set an hour time. I, what I do is I set a timer for an hour and I do one hour on each task and then I put a little check mark next to it. And it's just been a wonderful way to spend time just being indoors, doing one hour of working on my website, one hour of songwriting, one hour of working on my comic, one hour of coloring my other comic, one hour of I'm doing a, a project about uh, the history of Chile, so I'm one hour of research about that. Um, so, you know, just having that kind of system uh, really appeals to me. I, I think um, it, it sort of makes me very happy when I look back on my little list of things and they each have little check marks next to them. And of course, listening to music makes me very happy. So, um, you know, listening to records all day long, I just put music on all day long and that's... Um, now we have one of your songs on your, your recent, well, we can still call it a new album, even though it was from 2019. But uh, the album that you put out last year with, uh, with the band The Voltage, Bad Wiring, um, one of those songs is about your, is a wonderful, funny song about LPs. And do you still, did you give them all away? And are you, the fun part of the song is that you go, you switch to CDs in the last verse, but do you listen on vinyl still, or do you listen now exclusively to CDs, or are you just on, on iTunes like the rest of us? Uh, I listen to a huge amount of everything. Any given day, I'm probably listening to music like 12 hours a day or something. And I, you know, that sometimes that's records. Uh, you know, I have my whole vinyl collection here. I'm still buying records, but like I say in the song, it's increasingly difficult to find records for cheap because they're such heavy duty collector's items now. Um, plus I have most of the records that I, you know, I, I want, but then, then um, you know, CDs, especially when I'm on tour and I'm going, if I find music stores that have used CD sections, you just find these incredible bargains for just a few bucks, so many great albums on CD. So, you know, I have colossal amounts of CDs that I listen to and that, is quite fun because I have a five disc CD changer. So I love just putting in five CDs and then I can just get all this work done while five albums worth of music just comes at me. And well, then, then yeah, I, I, want, I want some specifics here since you're a music guy. Um, off the top of your head, what is like the last time that you did that where you had, what were the CDs in your changer? What were the five CDs that you put in there for a day's worth of, of Work, you know, I can show you right now. I'll walk over to the stereo and see what's stacked up over here. Oh, that's your girlfriend. Shalom. Hello. Well, yeah, we're, we're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll probably wrap up this interview shortly and uh, move on to the, the breakfast phase of my day. Um, but uh, so I've listened to uh, the first Michael Hurley album. I'm oh sorry. my gosh, yes, yes. Uh, so that's a great record, Michael Hurley. Um, there's a uh, a record called, I just listened to this, this was in my CD changer yesterday, Lavender Country was, uh, it's a gay country record from the 70s. It was very ahead of its time. Wow. It's still pretty jaw dropping. It, it's very bold. Quite so, literally, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, a Screamin' Jay Hawkins compilation. Oh yeah. Uh, 
and you can see, I mean, this was purchased for uh, $2.99, like these CDs I got for dirt cheap. Uh, uh, a Husker Du album, like- eight, And eight, Apple eight, Gray, a classic. Indie stuff. Uh, Bauhaus, mm -hmm. some uh, sort of goth punk British stuff. Um, and uh, I listened to quite a lot of like obscure psychedelic folk stuff. Here's an album called Stained Glass Window. Um, this one is, it's not, it's not spectacular, but it's, you know, it looks like an interesting reissue. And I found that used at a, a CD store in France on my last tour. Um, so just things like that. There's a, here's a free jazz record by the Henry Grimes trio that actually my cousin Perry Robinson played clarinet on this record. It's a 1965 free jazz thing. Um, Santana, I just listened to uh, Santana's Abraxas, classic, classic rock album. Uh, some Ray Charles, um, Current 93. Now this is, I, I'm a big fan of this band, Current 93. Very strange, creepy, um, almost disturbing sort of psychedelic folk band um, from the 80s and 90s and into the current era. There's quite a lot of albums by this band, Current 93. And they almost never perform in New York City. And I had tickets to see them last night which I bought months ago. And of course the gig didn't happen and that was very disappointing, but I figured I would at least do some current night, you know, throw some current 93 in the CD player and really, uh, you know, just, just immerse me since I couldn't see them live, I could at least immerse myself in some recordings for a while. Which is actually, it leads to another question of what current band, that band is called current 93, but what current musicians do, because, do you listen to? Because so much of your LP and CD collection is stuff from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 90s. What's, um, what, who, do you, do you listen to any top 40 or any alterna bands or anti-folk people who are right here and now doing new music? Very little, almost nothing. You know, if, if uh, you know, one, one band that I'm a huge fan of that to me is a modern band is uh, Yoa Tengo who I've been seeing, you know, I've been attending their concerts regularly for like 20 years, but they've been around, you know, 35 years. That's not even so modern. Um, but uh, yeah, I've got every Yola Tango record and um, they always do their uh, eight, eight nights of Hanukkah concerts every year. They, they play every night um, and they, um, so I always try to see them a couple of times at least during their, their annual Hanukkah series. They're one of my all time favorite bands, um, but that's, they're not like a new, new band, but you know, they're not Jimi Hendrix. They're relatively I modern. Know. I don't know what counts as modern, but I, I don't listen to well, very much. You know, a band that started maybe within the last 10 years and is still, and that, that maybe we haven't heard of that you can turn us on to, as it were. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not the, you know, who you would need to ask is my, my bass player, Mem, who is like 24 years old and I'm, you know, I'm 44. So Mem keeps us plugged into the, the modern stuff. What, um, well, the uh, one way that I often get introduced to modern bands is if I end up going on tour with them. Like sometimes my band will get asked, you know, some famous modern band that I might not have heard of. It might be doing a tour and they're looking for an opening act. So in that way, I've been introduced to some modern stuff. But yeah, most of what I listen to is, uh, you know, older stuff. I, I Quite right, often. Let, let me throw this back at you then. If let's say you were doing this COVID isolation thing, not in your apartment, but on a desert island, what is the one album or CD or 78 that you would take with you? 
Well, I, I usually answer that question by saying that I would like to I know very little about classical music. And I think if I was going to be stuck on some desert island, that might be a good time for me to learn, a, you know, something very dense, something, something that could really stand up to repeated infinite listens and still pick out new details. Something that I've actually never heard before so that I would be less likely to get tired of it. So my, my, my desert island pick would be some kind of long, complicated classical music piece that I would, it would, I would have to learn how to appreciate. Everything else would be bringing down on Main Street, you'll be bringing Stockhausen. Kind of interesting. We're talking, and we just have a, a little more time left here with Jeffrey Lewis. I would ordinarily go and say, oh, go see him playing at, or go see him on tour at the moment. We can't do that, but we can direct you to his website, which is thejeffreylewissite.com because he's the Jeffrey Lewis. The Jeffrey, spelled the usual way, Lewis, spelled the, the Jerry Lewis way, L-E-W-I-S, thejeffreylewissite.com. It's a place where you can purchase his merch, purchase uh, a lot of his old albums, even the ones on, on Rough Trade and, and sort of the independent ones. Uh, can they purchase your comic art and your books there too? Yeah, everything's on the website. Um, there's There's a lot of artwork. There's my comic books, including my my brand new issue, uh, Fuff Comics issue number 12, was a, a giant size issue that I just put out um, a uh, couple months ago. And I'm currently, uh, well, yeah, various projects. I'm working on a brand new website. My website has been in need of updating for a long time. So um, the new website is gonna launch pretty soon. That's one of my categories that I try to spend an hour every day working on. Um, but yeah, there's there's stuff. I mean, just uh, Google me. It's funny, you know, in the old days, you used to do an interview and you would say, yes, you can check me out online at http colon backslash backslash www.thejeffreylewissite.com. Nowadays, I, I don't even bother putting my website on stuff. It's kind of like if people want to find me, they just start typing in Jeffrey Lewis and stuff just comes up. So it's kind of yeah, I do. If, if people want to find me, uh, I just say Google Jewish asshole. And I'm up usually within the first five uh, want, search results. It's amazing. Yeah, you want to be high up in the search results. It's very important. What uh, is the weirdest or funnest or most profound experience or two that you've had as a musician or touring or meeting idols or things like that? What, what's like a moment that you will never forget because it was so weird or funny or great? Oh man, there have been so, so many of them. It's uh, very hard to boil down to my top mental Google search. What's my top mental Google search when I get asked that question? Um, well, you know, doing those shows with Daniel Johnston, that was really big for me. Anytime I got to encounter one of my artistic idols or, you know, even better, actually get to work with and collaborate with, uh, working with Peter Stamfel of the Holy Modal Rounders and the Fugs and the the uh, the tours that I did with Peter and the albums that I made with him um, were just incredible experiences that I couldn't have predicted when I was just, you know, in the old days buying Holy Modal Rounders records and Fugs records and um, getting to know Thule Cooperberg and working on projects with Thule when he was alive. Um, and touring, open, you know, I've gotten to open for a lot of my favorite bands. Uh, the Fall, The Fall was one of my all-time favorite bands, and I got to open for The Fall in London in 2004. Um, Rocky Erickson, who's a, a guy who I'm a huge fan of, I got to do a show opening for him. 
I think that was 2009. So yeah, these kinds of experiences that I would never have predicted when I was just, you know, at home drawing comic books. Like I would never have, thought. I got to do two tour, my, my band did two tours in China. Um, oh so all kinds of, you know, I have these, um, I have this series I've been working on on the history of communism. I have these songs that I sing where I have accompanying illustrations and I have about 10 of them in this series. I have a history of communism in uh, Vietnam. I have a song where I'm showing illustrations while I'm singing and I have one about the history of um, you know, China. Korea. Yeah. I have one about the history of Cuba. So I've gone to perform a lot of these in the actual locations. I got to do my history of communism in China, in China. I've now, got stop my, hold on, yeah. I have to ask you, you went to China, you performed in China. Did, did they tell you what you could and couldn't do? Did you have a, any kind of um, overlords seeing over you of the government or of a, a, a officials or commissioners or anything like that? Could you just go wherever you pleased? What, what was it like to go there? It was complicated. There was a, there was a certain amount of paperwork involved, and you had to submit uh, uh, all of the song. You know, you had to give a list of songs that you were going to perform and submit the lyrics. But I have so many songs that, you know, and we usually play different stuff on stage every night. So the set that I submitted was, you know, just a some kind of selection of songs. Um, but I don't think they actually had official people. Uh, checking you know i don't think people are actually going to the shows and seeing the lyrics um but we've also performed in uh vietnam and uh you know i've, I've just gotten to play in 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 places that i just never would have imagined that that uh would ever happen including all sorts of weird corners of the united states all, you know from uh, the big cities to small places i think i've played in every state i've never never hawaii i still i'm still lacking hawaii I would you like did to have Vietnam and China, but Hawaii you haven't made it to. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. Did a tour of did a tour of Alaska once. That was that was really cool and interesting. Uh, well, anyway, I, I should uh, I should wrap wrap this up. You got to get back to your egg cream, and I got to get back to my coffee over here. Yeah, uh, it has been absolutely delightful talking with Jeffrey Lewis V. Jeffrey Lewis here in the neighborhood on Dave's Gone By. It just remains for me to wish you and your girlfriend and your friends and all your circle of people and your, your musicians in the voltage, uh, good health, continue good health and get making it through this crisis and continue good comics and good music to you, Jeffrey Lewis. Thank you so much for being with us in the neighborhood. Thanks so much for having me. It was a real pleasure and um, hopefully see you soon. Bye-bye now. Bye. Show them to you. Uh, okay. How do I get rid of... No offense, but I'm going to get rid of you. Bye. Shalom. Oh, there we go. Don't, don't, oh. don't get rid of the... Don't close the meeting. He left. No, he's good. We're good. Shalom, everybody. Rabbi Saul here on Dave's Gone By. Rabbi Saul with a potato here. Don't know why. Oh, again with the potato bombing. This is what they're doing with the Zoom these days. But thank you for, for allowing us to do this interview. Remember, it's thejeffreylewissite.com is the place to go listen to his music, buy his music, buy his merch. I, I can play maybe just a moment or two of his music before I get thrown off Facebook here and bring Dave back into the neighborhood to continue this episode of Dave's Gone By. Everybody out there, please do stay healthy, stay well, and shalom to you.
a little, just a little tiny bit of, of bugs and flowers there so, so that Facebook doesn't throw us off. Dave Lefkowitz here, continuing the Dave's Gone By Facebook Yo Podcast Yo Programio of the stream here on this April 25th, 2020. So good to have our guest Jeffrey Lewis in the uh, in with us talking to Rabbi Saul Solomon. Let me get, oh, let me get centered there. That's better. Ah, I have my darling and wonderful wife Joyce in the room with us too. And of course, Potato. This Potato was a good Potato. He did not Zoom bomb at the end of that interview. Shame on you, Potato, for doing that. But certainly no shame at all in having very talented and uh, delightful guests like Jeffrey Lewis with us on the program. Well, what else do we have on? this program on this April 25th, 2020. Dave's gone by. We're here from nine until noon or thereabouts Eastern time every Saturday morning. This is our 743rd episode of the show, if you can believe it. Remember that we've got all our old shows, 99% of them archived at davesgoneby.com. D-A-V-E-S-G-O-N-E-B-Y. Davesgoneby.com. And uh, what's great is, yeah, the last two years or so have been Biggio, and those have been saved. We've also got our many, many years of shows when we were just on radio, whether it was college radio or terrestrial radio or mere podcasts for a while. Those are all there. They're all free. They're streamable or downloadable. So whether you want to put them, listen to them as if they were a podcast or just stream them on your computer if you don't want to download anything, they're all there. And there's even a separate archive that we're, we're going to be going through of just the interviews that we've done on the show. Because we've had a lot of musicians on the program, not just um, the, the marvelous Jeffrey Lewis, but we've had people like Loudon Wainwright III and Judy Collins and Christine Lavin and Sophie B. Hawkins have been on this show. And, and musicians that we've lost over the years, too, like Oscar Brand. I mean, really, really great stuff. They're all there. Some of the links are a little broken. We're going to go through those as we have been with the full episodes, but go to davesgoneby.com for the whole schmear. You can also check us out at archive.org. Archive.org. It's this marvelous, uh, all-consuming website that's trying to, to put in the 20th and 21st century of all creative work that's being done. So whether it's books or whether it's radio shows or podcasts or TV shows, uh, they're just, it's this nonprofit org that's been collecting everything. And so we've got a, about four years of our most recent shows up on archive.org, and we're trying to get some more on there as well. And if you're just like going to the gym or something and you only want to deal with podcasts, go to castbox.fm and you can find our channel there too, the Dave's Gone By channel, castbox.fm. That's a great one just where you can load up and listen right on your device. Not that you're going out to the gym or on an airplane at the moment or on a, a bus or train, but it's there for you to listen to Dave's Gone By as well. Anyway, we, as I said, have more to do on this program. For example, our Colorado Limerick of the Damned, our Wretched Pun of Destiny, and uh, we did our quiz. Yay, so we, we got through that. But we haven't done Inside Broadway yet. Oh, I do believe it's time to. This is where I talk about something that I do love quite a lot. I, as much as I love music, I also love the theater a great deal. And there isn't a lot of theater to be had right now, at least not on actual physical stages. So there's always some Broadway news, though, and stuff to talk about, which is why 
we do Inside Broadway. Inside Broadway, a look at theater on and off Broadway and beyond. Brought to you by Total Theater and Performing Arts Insider. Curtain going up. is a comic verse of five lines in which lines one, two, and five would end with words that rhyme. And likewise, verses three and four also end with words that rhyme. So this is a little... Sorry about that. Oh, go figure, I would, I would have to take the longest pee in the universe when I had only 40 seconds on that recording. Oh, it's that kind of, it's one of those shows where everything goes wrong, except I think the, um, the interview was really, really right. Wasn't that go great and no technical problems? I learned about a fourth dimension when you're on stage, you're past, present, and future. Yeah, and I, I saw I the fifth dimension. Future, the yeah. future in there, that was great. Yeah, you don't want to see my future. It's going to involve Alzheimer's and, and cancer and right. tumors and things. Anyway. How beautiful, honey. <laughs> inside Broadway we go, ladies and gentlemen, on this Saturday, April 25th, 2020, with Broadway news, ladies and gentlemen. So here's the deal. What is the news about Broadway? Oh, yeah, nothing. Corona, we're on hiatus. The... Um, as we mentioned a week ago, the league finally picked another date for the soft opening, if you will, of Broadway. It's been on hold since March 11th, I think it was. Oh no, we're being, we're being bombed again. <laughs> potato bomb! Zoom, zoom! Zoom, potato bomb! <sighs> they're, they're just, they're incorrigible. So stop encouraging them. <laughs> anyway. So what they did was up until recently, up until a week and a half ago, the league kept holding April 13th as the date that Broadway would reopen. They knew, no, everybody knew, no, that was not happening. Cuomo was shutting down New York for a month and a half. How could they keep that date? But they didn't want to pick another date that would be, um, they were after a race and, and re-chalk over. They wanted to, to go far enough in the future of picking some kind of maybe reasonable date to start reopening Broadway theater. So they went for June 7th. But again, it's really not the reopening date probably for Broadway. It will serve as sort of a marker, kind of a guidepost. The, the thing is, what they're doing is Ticketmaster and Telecharge and, and the theaters themselves, when they have to refund money to all these tourists and people who bought tickets for shows between April 13th and June 6th, they've got to refund. They've got to get it back. The, the, the shows are not going to happen. That's the, the date up until they're giving money back, essentially. Doesn't mean that all the theaters are actually going to reopen on June 7th. It wouldn't shock me if we started seeing some off, or really some off-off Broadway, some small theaters start to maybe reopen at that point. I'm talking like 40, 50, 60 seaters, if those still exist somewhere on the Lower East Side and those environs. Um, it's much more likely, and Charlotte St. Martin has said this, we talked about this last week, she is the head and spokesperson for the Broadway League, uh, saying, look, we're, it's probably weeks away, even if 
Broadway reopens in, or, or in late May, Governor Cuomo says it's stay safe to start rehearsing. It's safe to open certain aspects of the Broadway community. So the costume shop can reopen. Now you don't get 1400 people in the theater, but at least you can start working on the shows again. You can get cast together with maybe an intimacy coordinator to, to work on how far they've got to stay, you know, re-block certain shows that are very physical and people together so that they don't get their spit flying. Even then, shows wouldn't actually start on June 7th. Um, the, the real thinking is probably Labor Day. That nobody wants to say it out loud because it's so far away. And so many of the Broadway shows that are on hiatus or were just about to open or go into previews and then had a stop in mid-March, they're not going to be able to keep it together if they have to wait until August to get back up. But that may be the real thing. I'm thinking July 4th is a much better and, and a, a good compromise, assuming we keep the curve the way it is, assuming that you know, the deaths are going down, the hospitalizations, and most importantly, the new incidences are going way down. And yeah, they may pop up again in October, but I we can't really- I want to yeah. say this with yeah, all please. I'm glad that you're using incidents and prevalence correctly. Thank you. Hmm. Incidents, Actually, I didn't say prevalence. Incidence is new case. Prevalence is old and new together. Thank you. Oh, okay. Very good. Well, thank you. I think I said, believe you're me, so I didn't do it knowingly. I'm grateful uh, Well, thank you. But that's the thing. It's, it's about new cases. If, if our new cases keep going like this, through the late spring into early summer, I do think that July 4th would be this perfect weekend time to start things. Certainly off-off-Broadway and off-Broadway, um, whether the audiences all have to wear masks or, or spritz themselves, or wash their hands before going in, and you're not allowed to use them. Rest I don't know what they would have to do, but I, I don't think we should have to wait until September or October, or some people are even I saying 2021. Share, share well, 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 you don't necessarily, maybe they would just have people line up at a trough. And, and I don't know, I, what would be safer? I honestly don't know. Because that's the thing that we're talking about last week. It isn't just about the audiences being comfortable going into a theater and sitting so close to each other. It's about um, actors on stage. And if you're like me or Rabbi Saul Solomon, you know, you, bleh, the projectile, the, the phlegm, the spit, it's flying all over the stage. There needs to be like, I can't have capes and masks. Because I've sat in first and second and third oh. rows and I've seen actors and you can't really help it. It's just, it's just a spray that goes up half the time, every sentence that they say. I'm not even that bad. But, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. And then what about actors who have to kiss on stage? Or if you saw um, Slave play on Broadway this past season or The Inheritance, they were doing a lot more than kissing on stage. I mean, it was like, holy crap. Sex? Basically simulated sodomy and sex is, is and everything. you saw that show 75 times? They had a guy getting pegged in slave play. You know, it was like woman jamming things into his tuchus on stage. I'm like, yeah, that's not real though. No, but she still has to, he's still on this oh, thing. Naked, She's yeah. still, I'm like, oh, oh, who wants to do that during COVID? I don't know. I mean, we did it last night, but I gave permission and uh, I used some tinfoil. So it didn't hurt as much. <laughs>
Anywho, so that would, that is what Broadway is up against. Um, so, and yeah, and, and Charlotte St. Martin, the head of the league, says that unless there's some kind of miraculous testing or vaccining going on, she really doesn't foresee any shows really going back on until September at the earliest, or 2021 is not inconceivable. So it's, it's a pretty sucky situation. And it's also affecting touring, all these Broadway shows, the national tours that they're doing. So you might think, okay, well, wait a minute. Why not? Okay, so let's say Chicago, you gotta be really careful. Let's say uh, Los Angeles, you gotta be really careful. Mm -hmm. But if they go back to Montana, they play the big theater there. there these, these tours wanna go to North Dakota or places that are not COVID heavy and never were and, won't, and maybe will not be because they're not so dense. The problem is when you've got a Broadway tour booked, it's not like it goes somewhere for a week and then everybody goes back home for two or three weeks and then they go back out. It's a tour schedule and it might go from Montana, but then it's going to go into Colorado, which has a hot spot and then so forth. So um, it's a lot that Broadway is working out and having to work out during COVID. So got some good news and some bad news about our next thing. Um, the, the bad news is that the guy died. Good news is he didn't die of COVID. Oh. And the, the even better news is that he was 94 years old. He was Rene Bush, co-founder with Gilberto Zaldivar of Repertorio Español in New York, an off-Broadway theater that has been around, my gosh, since the, the theater company has been around since 1969 and they moved to their current home in 1972. So yeah, and it's in the Gramercy Arts Theater in the, in the Gramercy District. I've been there several dozen times in my career as a theater critic and theater journalist. Very, very, you know, they do so much with so little, if you will. They, you know, they get a lot of funding, they get, um, I'm sure, grant funding and budgets and they target their audience, of course. But still, they are a true off-Broadway house and repertory company. They were founded by Rene Bush and Gilberto Zaldivar to, to serve the Spanish community much in the way back in the day that the Second Avenue theater scene served the Jewish community here in doing plays that would either be in Yiddish or partly in Yiddish and English and Hebrew uh, and, and taking on themes and plays for that audience. That's exactly what Repertorio Español did. I used to make fun of them a little bit because every single show I saw there for a while was, okay, I am from Cuba, I'm from Ecuador, I'm from Colombia, now I'm in America. What does it mean to be Ecuadorian? How Ecuadorian, how American am I? It was always the same fucking plot, no matter who wrote the play and no matter what the play title was. And there weren't bad plays, but it was just like, oh, I know where this is going. But that's what they do. And they also do a lot of uh, Marquez. Udonde. Oh, outside. Oh, dear. Yeah, outside. as long as the bee is outside and I am here. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'm, I'm going to take a look at this bee. Let's see. He needs a flight pattern. Is he by that, that little cr Oh, my goodness. That's him. Yes. That's the bee who's starting the, the hive there. No, I think that's the smaller one. That's not oh. the queen. That's not the queen. Well, who could that be? See, he's going to go into that crack right there. They're building a hive. Of course There's going to be thousands of bees. Of course they are. Where Joyce uh, is pointing to a window that uh, uh, our window and then right across the way just a few feet away is another house and that house has 
like an opening on its side, just a little bit where the, what do they call this, the, the siding, and then the, the sconce thing, and the bees going in there, and there's always bees in there. Oh dear. Oh dear. If you've seen one or two bees buzzing around the same place over and over, you know there's a hive in there, and there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of bees in it. So we're going to be real careful when opening this window this summer, I'll tell you. Anyway, um, so Ray Bush, farewell to him. Um, he was a celebrated writer in Cuba and then came to America and got his uh, master's degree at the Yale Drama School, not too shabby. He did win a Drama Desk for his artistic achievement over the years, a Drama Desk Award, excuse me. And I didn't know that he was a book editor for Reader's Digest and head of Spanish creative copy for J. Walter Thompson, which is the kind of thing when you're trying to run a small theater company, you still have to make money and pour all your profit. Anything you make that isn't feeding you kind of has to go into the company to keep it alive. So yes, yeah, so a very well-respected and important person in the Spanish theater community in New York. Farewell to Renee Bush, who passed away um, on April 19th at the age of 94. But as I said, Natural causes. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing we can give a thumbs up for death, right? But anyway, I give two big thumbs up for Performing Arts Insider, the Bible of Broadway. Since 1944, the journal Performing Arts Insider has served the Broadway and entertainment community. It is the place where you can turn, literally, you turn the pages of this hard copy magazine that tells you everything you need to know about every show on Broadway, off-Broadway, and off-off-Broadway too. Award ceremonies about the theater as well, and sometimes rumors about shows that are being planned for Broadway. It's this marvelous resource that um, theater owners use, that bookers for tours use, that people who book guests for TV talk shows and late night shows use, because this is the place. This is how you can find what's playing, what will be playing, how to contact all the actors it? and designers. How are you doing it now, right? oh, what was that? How are you doing it now? Well, right now, uh, because of what's been going on, we've been doing, we're still making the magazine. We had an April issue, and just yesterday, we put out the May issue of Performing Arts Insider. It is, we're, we're emailing it as a PDF file to our subscribers, and they're being very, very good about this whole thing. We want to get them the issue, and it's, it's not feasible to really mail it out to a lot of people right now because it goes to folks who work in offices and those offices haven't been open in a month and a half. Yeah. So they're getting the issue, we're doing an issue and you're saying, well, what's in the issue? Because there's no shows playing. But we're saying, hey, these are shows that are still on the runway. In your baby pictures like you were talking. <laughs> what? Aren't you gonna put in your baby pictures? I was not gonna put in my baby, nobody wants to see my baby pictures. I don't even wanna see my baby pictures. Actually, I kinda do. But there's the deal. There's still, Broadway will reopen. Broadway always rebounds. It may not be June. May not even be Labor Day or July 4th or September. It might be 2021, but it will in a slow way come back. And within three to five years, we won't even remember this shit. Honestly, we won't. There'll be another, oh, there's another pandemic out there. You know, we'll worry about that then. By then, Broadway, as it, you know, from World War II, right, from 9-11, from other, you know, there was polio epidemics dozens, of, you know, hundreds of years ago, not decades ago. Broadway 
State Broadway. People went eventually, and they just said, okay, it's all right, let's go back, and I need entertainment, I need wit, I need insight, I need tears, I need laughter. People went back to Broadway. Well, there's all these Broadway shows that were playing, some of them will come back. There were Broadway shows that were planned, and they were even playing coming back in the fall, they just haven't picked a date yet, because they're afraid to, but they will. And off-Broadway, and off-off-Broadway shows too. What are they? Who's involved? You'll find that all in the pages of Performing Arts Insider. Find out more by going to performingartsinsider.com. Yes, you can subscribe. We're still, we would love to have many more subscriptions. It's expensive, but it's worth every penny because we put the work into making a very, very valuable publication about the Broadway and New York theater scene. Performing Arts Insider since 1944 and onward, the Bible of Broadway. Okay, um, more unfortunate. So, so yeah, we don't have any COVID-related deaths to report on Inside Broadway today. That's, that's wonderful. That's fantastic. Except we do have a theater that is, COVID, let's say, is the last nail in the coffin for the Upright Citizens Brigade theater houses in New York. Now, Upright Citizens Brigade has been um, losing money, apparently, for a while now. I thought they were doing great. This is this place that does improv and sketch comedy, and it birthed this whole array of people who are making the TV comedy that we're watching now, the, the, the Amy Polers of this world, the Tina Fey's, the Aziz Ansari's. These folks were cutting their teeth at UCB 15, 20 years ago. So you figure, you know, everybody wants to attend them. Everyone want to take classes there. Everybody want to see their shows. They're still hip, even though they're two decades old. And yet, New York, man, New York rent, they couldn't cut it. So they had closed an East Village venue that they had, as, as Rabbi Saul was talking with um, Jeffrey Lewis about, about things changing. UCB closed its East Village Theater a year or two ago. Now they're gonna be closing their home in Hell's Kitchen and its training center on 8th Avenue. They're now disbanding. UCB will still you know, stay alive, but they'll rent places when it's time to do something. Uh, and and you know, Corona essentially killed it. They, they were already losing money and having terrible troubles, but with nothing, with no one going to see anything for weeks at a time, they just thought this is the time to, to give it up. So far, the Upright Citizens Brigade venues in Los Angeles are safe, although the audience, uh, the, the, uh, the organization still has money troubles. Uh, UCB was founded in 19, the 1990s. Amy Poehler was one of the founders of it, and it became a springboard for people like Ellie Kemper and Kate McKinnon of Saturday Night Live. You figure these people make so many millions of dollars. I'm sure they've donated. I'm sure they've, they've given a lot of money, but it just, you know, when, when you've got a storefront in New York and it's whatever, $40,000 a month to just keep the lights on, what the hell can you do? Anyway, farewell to Upright Citizens Brigade as a venue. We'll see what happens with the actual organization over the next year or two or three. Anything? What's yeah, happening? Your dad's prescriptions already, but your mom's too busy watching the uh, the fake news of Cuomo. <laughs> oh, Cuomo! Oh, excuse, wait. Doesn't he go on at noon? Oh, it's on early. Oh my goodness! Oh, oh, they're saying, Andrew. They're saying swab testing. It doesn't. Uh, why yeah. are politicians such idiots? 
Because mm. you know? they are, that, it goes with the territory. You have to be appealing to the masses. And when you appeal to the masses, you gotta go from here to here. I don't, here into I don't even think they're starting here. <laughs> well, anyway. Uh. <sighs> happy news to announce in terms of Broadway. This angle of Broadway too. I know there's no happy news right now, really, but this is kind of cool. They could have canceled the Drama Desk Awards, right? They, they, they've postponed the Tonys. We don't know what's gonna happen with the Tonys now, but the Drama Desk Awards are happening. They're gonna be virtual, duh, but they announced the nominations this past Tuesday and the ceremony will be online at the end of May, on May 31st. So who? Are the nominees of the Drama Desk for 2019-2020 season? And of course, they ended the season technically March 11th rather than uh, mid or late April, as is usual. So, 11 Tony nominations going to the David Henry Wong musical Soft Power, which I like very much, by the way. What's A very about? smart piece of work, huh? What is it about? It's about, uh, it's about really this intricate and fun musical about Wong, who was, and it's semi-autobiographical, he was attacked on the street a couple of years ago, almost killed, he almost bled out, and they saved him, and then he goes through this big fever dream of China, <laughs> wanting him to write an old-fashioned Rodgers and Hammerstein type musical, and bring it to China, but from a Chinese sensibility, using American storytelling musical theater techniques. Anyway, it got mixed reviews, audiences, but it, oh, I'm so glad that it got 11 nominations. It's a really good piece of work. Um, the Wrong Man, that got nine nominations. That's another musical. Seven, uh, or sorry, eight nominations to the Stephen Adley Gerges play Halfway Bitches Go to Heaven. There you go. I didn't see that one. That was my title. <laughs> that was my dissertation title. It was called Halfway Bitches Go to Heaven. <laughs> Well, that was before the colon. What came after the colon? Social <laughs> class and then oppression and intermediate, you know, mediating factors. There you go. Yeah, that, somehow that didn't fit on the marquee. Um, just to note, I mentioned the, the play Slave Play by Jeremy O. Harris and Girl from the North Country. They did not get a bunch of nominations that they may have because they were off-Broadway a year ago. So they were considered for Drama Desk nominations and awards then and couldn't be reconsidered. That's their policy. But anyway, uh, special awards. David, I think what's yeah. going to happen is post-COVID, every Broadway show will be a monologue with somebody <laughs> like, like way back in the stage, you know, talking. Well, no, well, you know what? They just turned, all the monologues would be directed that way. Yes. And it was and upstage. And video camera, yeah. yeah. And then the video would show the piano and then everybody in the audience would be sitting six seats apart. Mm. That could happen. That could work. But we're all going to see a shitload of monologues, only because nobody can afford, uh, all the producers have, have lost so much money. All they can afford is one person on stage, one director, brick set, no, no, one lighting designer with a spotlight. And, and that's, you know, and maybe then you can afford to have only 500 people in a 1,400-seat house. But some special awards that are already given for this year's Drama Desk Awards. So, um, which means that these are not competitive. Uh, there are all these different categories of nominations for the Drama Desk. These are just special awards that people will be honored with on May 31st. For example, the ensemble of a play called Octet, actress Mary Bacon, the Actors Fund, 
our friend of the neighborhood, Seth Rudetsky, and his husband, James Wesley, for getting us through the whole pen, uh, corona thing and doing fun stuff online. Um, the Public Theater's mobile unit, the WP Theater and their founder, or, or the person who was running it, Julia Miles, who passed away a couple of weeks ago, and intimacy coordinator, Claire Warden, for figuring out in the Me Too era how to put actors on stage in sexy, sexual scenes and physical stuff that isn't fighting, but it's the other F word. How do you do that and keep each other physically safe and also emotionally safe when you might be taking your clothes off and doing this stuff with another person? Mm -hmm. So um, she's getting a special award too. Uh, oh, oh, in terms of category stuff, got to do some congratulations in terms of the nominations. For musical revival, you've got Little Shop of Horrors, which was co-written by Alan Menken. Yay. So that's nominated alongside the um, revival of West Side Story on Broadway and the unsinkable Molly Brown off-Broadway with our friend Beth Malone nominated for Outstanding Actress. Yeah! Also a shout out to David Kale, whose solo show We're Only Alive for a Short Amount of Time was nominated. And Lashans has a nomination for Featured Actress in a Musical for her uh, work in The Secret Life of Bees. Well, we do have some more sad news again. Another death, but of natural causes. Farewell to actress Shirley Knight, who passed away at the age of 83 this past Wednesday. She started out in California, then came to New York to study at all the New York studios like Strasburg and Berghoff and places like that. Um, one of her early roles was theater-related because she played the provocative white woman who tempts a black man on the subway in Dutchman by Amiri Baraka when they made the movie of it. She also starred in Francis Ford Coppola's early film, The Rain People, and Tennessee Williams loved her. He would use her or have her used a lot in his movies. She was in Sweet Bird of Youth at uh, the, the movie version. Uh, Shirley Knight was a two-time Drama Desk nominee, including appearing in The Young Man from Atlanta, and she was Tony nominated for that in her last Broadway role. It was the original, not the revival that they did uh, last year, but the original Young Man from Atlanta in 1997. Um, she got her first Tony nomination in the Actors Studio's production of Three Sisters, directed by Lee Strasberg, and, and, and check out the other cast members here, Geraldine Page and Kim Stanley. Not too shabby. Uh, Shirley Knight was a Tony winner for the play Kennedy's Children in 1975. Her last New York role was just two years ago. She co-starred with Edina Menzel in a play called Skin Tight. And uh, her death was announced by her daughter, also an actress, Caitlin Hopkins. So a big farewell from the neighborhood to the theatrical Shirley Knight. But are we going to go out on a downer? Are we going to end our... Um, Inside Broadway segment Never. with bad news. No, ladies and gentlemen. Never. The good news is that Stephen Sondheim is alive and well and 90 years old. Now, you know this. He turned 90 a couple of weeks ago. And they're going to have this big celebration plan for him on stage with people singing and doing cabaret. No, couldn't do it. But they're going to do a virtual Stephen Sondheim celebration tomorrow, April 26th. I think it's at 8 o'clock uh, in the in the evening. It's going to be free. It'll be on YouTube and also broadcast on broadway.com. And there's going to be people doing his songs and giving tributes among the folks who have already signed on. Meryl Streep, 
Bernadette Peters, Patty Lapone, Audra McDonald, Linda Lavin, our friend of the neighborhood. And I'm, I'm sure as we speak, they're saying more and more and more and more names like you, you can't believe, like, oh, a gaggle of folks just to pay tribute to our greatest living theatrical uh, songwriter, Stephen Sondheim, who, thank God, thank God, you know, he's been in not fantastic health for a couple of years, but he's okay. He's all right. You know, he doesn't have COVID or anything else. And proceeds, if people want to donate to this, proceeds will go to Argus Striving to End Poverty. So you're going to want to check that out. And happy, happy birthday to Stephen Sondheim. Again, even though it's like a month later, let's go out of our Inside Broadway segment to hear a little of Bernadette doing Not a Day Goes By, which I believe comes from Follies, a Sondheim song. And we'll be back with more Dave's Gone By after this. Somewhere a part of my life, and it looks like you'll stay as the days go by. I keep thinking, and does it end? Where's the day I'll have started forgetting? But I just go on thinking and sweating and cursing and crying. Bernadette Peters live, I mean, she's not live right now, but a live recording that we found on YouTube of her doing Night a Day Goes By, one of the classics, one of, oh my God, probably about four dozen classic songs written or co-written by Stephen Sondheim. Uh, that takes us out of our Inside Broadway segment on Day of Gone By. It's not quite noon yet, and we do have a couple more things to do on Dave's Gone By, including our wretched pun of destiny. Oh, I know you're looking forward to that. And um, let's, let's get poetical, since there's hardly a greater musical writer in the English language than Stephen Sondheim. Let's get a lower level, perhaps the lowest level of poetry, the limerick, the five-line verse or stanza, if you will, where um, you're intentionally being rude and silly and sometimes sick and comedic and vulgar, which I do so well. We do our Colorado limericks of the damned because Joyce and I were living in Colorado for a bunch of years and it got into my head that, hey, it might be fun to write a disgusting limerick for every town and place in Colorado that I can think of. Well, I got more than a hundred of them done and still doing new ones occasionally. We have a new one today. And so every week on Dave's Gone By, I bring you another one. I apologize in advance and get the kids out of the room. It's time for our Colorado Limerick of the Damned for, Co for Cotopaxi 
Colorado. You're the a limerick is a comic verse of five lines in which lines one, two, and five will end with words that rhyme. And likewise, verses three and four also end with words that rhyme. So this is a limerick. Yes, our Colorado limerick of the damned. And uh, believe me, I had no idea that this place existed at all. Cotopaxi, Colorado. Let me tell you a little bit about it. It's a tiny little town, as you might imagine, in central Colorado, with a population of about 50 people. It was founded by a settler who named the town after an Ecuadorian volcano, because Cotopaxi is apparently a very well-known volcano, and even sort of a tourist spot in Ecuador. And some settler thought it would be cool to name a place in Colorado after it. Check this out. This is, Rabbi Saul would love this. In 1882, a group of 60 Russian Jewish immigrants came to Kogopaxi and tried to settle there. Okay, if, if you can wrap your mind around the idea of Jewish pioneers. Uh, yeah, so this is what happened. Um, they were promised housing. Most of that did not materialize. The crops, they thought they were coming to, into some nice place. Well, Colorado there is nice about four or five months a year. The rest, it's, it's horrible winter and nothing grows. So they had a very, very bad harvest. Then they had blizzards wiping out the rest of their harvests. Um, and, um, you know, there's a reason Jewish people shouldn't farm. And, and eventually they just had to disband the whole thing after two or three years. It just did not work out and they dispersed. Well, anyway, Cogapaxi still sort of exists. It's got one post office, a couple of small businesses, and one big business, a white water rafting company that serves thousands of tourists every year, because like so much of Colorado, um, it's beautiful and it's near water and it's near hiking and camping and trees, so, and, and the Rockies. So yeah, Cogapaxi, Colorado, and that is why I'm going to be doing a Colorado Limerick of the Damned all about it. Are you ready? I think you are. <clears throat> a lady in East Cogapaxi was raped in the back of a taxi. They tracked down the demon by finding his semen dried up on her pad that was Maxi. Yes, that's our Colorado Limerick of the Damned, ladies and gentlemen. Send your comments and complaints to Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. Dave's Gone My wife is giving me a look like, oh, how could you? Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. Yes, I still have an AOL account. Yes, I still read email there. And you can also um, contact me just by leaving me messages on my Facebook page. Now, I really haven't been able to, maybe I can't, uh, I don't really want to mess with it, but I want to see... Maybe I can check if people have been sending me messages here. Maybe not. I think that Bee brought a little, uh, a little note from somebody. Oh, it's kind of, kind of. We were looking at bees. One, one big bee outside our window, and he was joined by another bee. Like moments ago, there were like two of them bumbling around and and trying to make little bee babies. I think. Um, well, and it's appropriate because Rabbi Saul did that Shakespearean sonnet earlier in the week, right? So it was two bees or not two bees? <laughs> yeah, that's a question. Anyway, reminding you that you can are message you, me you here. <laughs> I really should be. Message me on my Dave's Gone By page, of course. 
And uh, whether I can see them right now, which I don't know if I can, um, but you can, you can, I can certainly see them during the week. And I do read all the messages that I get and all the emails and, and, uh, and stuff like that. So whether you email me at davesgonebyagol.com or post direct messages to me on my Facebook page, either private ones or for everyone to see, please do. I, I love hearing from you guys. I love, um, see, so like we've got a hundred or something people watching the show. I, I can see that now, which is great. And then people engaging with the show. Oh, like Cynthia, what? Oh, Cynthia wrote in to say they woke up too late to see the show, Cynthia. Or, or they woke up too late to catch the Today Yesterday quiz. Um, Robert from my high school says hi. This is kind of neat. So, yeah, we are streaming. We are doing our show. It is noon. You're watching Dave's Gone By with me, Dave Lefkowitz. We do it every Saturday from 9 until noon or thereabouts. It's time for our dog, Cameo. Our dog's name is not Cameo. It's our dog who will be making a Cameo appearance because we want to get even more viewers. Tell everybody, you, you made it through our horrible, wretched pun of destiny, right? And, and, and you got through the Inside Broadway segment. Your reward is looking at a really cute dog because this is what people look at on the internet when they're not surfing porn. Ladies and gentlemen, coming soon to this screen right now, in our 743rd episode of the program on this April 25th, 2020. We've been calling the show Lou, what, what was our show? <laughs> well, it was Looney Tunes in honor of our guest, Jeffrey Lewis. I think, is my wife gonna bring him in? Maybe she's changing his diaper. But, but I'm, we should have a cameo. Have, here he is, here he comes. I gotta put his sunglasses because it's bright sun here. Uh, and, and here's our dog, his name is Ufti. <laughs> The great Uftini, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I'll put it on right. Here he is. He's 18 years old. Oh, I know I'm not holding him the best, but here he goes. Yeah, this is and this is entertainment. Nobody tunes in for my actual show. They want to see this. A dog in doggles, ladies and gentlemen. Because of the sun, he's blind. Our dog. Well, if he's blind, the sun shouldn't bother him. No, because his eyes are open. See. Yeah, yeah he's got cataracty. You know, every single possible lens of his eye is occluded. Uh, you can probably see that here. I'm going to hold him up real close. Hold him this way. This is our beautiful, wonderful dog, Ufti. Hey, boy. Do you enjoy the show so far? You can hold him while I work now. Oh, wait, no, no. Ufti says we want to do a little bit of Grizzly Crimes at all times. Oh, since Christ. we haven't done it in a while. No? No? I know it's noon already. We should end the show, but we've got... Um, what do you want to do here? I'll put him back. He's going to bark. I'll shut the door. Just like five, ten minutes of Grizzly Crimes at all times. As a special, since, since we also lost time earlier in the show, let's, let's do that. And then we've also got our wretched pun of destiny. While Joyce is taking care of that, let me talk about the friends of the neighborhood just a little bit. Now, friends of the neighborhood are people like Jeffrey Lewis, great folks who have appeared on this program in months and years past. We like to honor them by, um, by f finding out what they're doing now. So, for example, at some point, Jeffrey Lewis will be on tour again. We'll let you know when he's coming back and, and playing locally, and you can go see him. So we do that with folks who are actors and writers and directors and designers. It is called Our Friends of the Daverhood.
So yeah, obviously our friends in the neighborhood are not appearing on stage at the moment or not in the middle of making Hollywood movies and such, but we do have some, we do want to give shout outs. And first of all, uh, perhaps most importantly this week, we want to wish, as Rabbi Saul would say, a refua shlema, a full and healthy recovery to our friend Tony, Tony Sportiello. He was our, our guest a few months ago. And he tunes in pretty much every week, and it's always great to see him. Well, Tony, this is the kind of week he had. He wrote on his Facebook page, his symptoms starting on Monday with an on-again, off-again tightening of his chest and severe stomach pain. Tuesday. That happens to me every day when I listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my darling. My darling wife, Joy's there. So I say on Tuesday, he, 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 you know, he knew he was going through something. He let it be. The next day, he was much worse. So bad that he hobbled over to City MD, which he found surprisingly was not packed. City it was MD not crowded. It was like an urgent care. Yeah, name. it was just a local urgent care. The doctor there x rayed him looked at him and said, you're the sickest person I've seen today and your x-rays are a mess. You go to a hospital now. And so uh, Tony checked himself into Mount Sinai Hospital and he said it was chaos there. He said it was just tons of people, tons of running around, emergencies, urgent stuff everywhere with, um, with the COVID. But the doctors and the nurses, yeah, he said that the people there, despite being frazzled and underslept and just overwhelmed, were really knowledgeable, really kind, really patient, answering all the questions. He said they were great, quite honestly, at Mount Sinai. And they booked him in there. And here's the amazing part of it. He was there for about two or three days. And he did not have corona. Turned out he had just a, a pneumonia. He, he somehow had caught pneumonia. And that's what had laid him low. But he did not have the coronavirus, which meant, and this is the best part, that when they put him in a room, he had sort of this, this glorious, lovely, almost um, rich person's room all to himself, even though they're totally overwhelmed by all these people. Why? Why do you think they gave him his own room? Uh, because he mentioned Dave's gone by? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, and he got more than 10%. No. Why? Because he didn't have corona. He said infected corona. Yeah, or by spur, they didn't want Corona people infecting him, which probably would have killed him if he had gotten both. Yeah. So they, so they they gave him his own little separate private room, uh, and it looked really nice. And he's like, yeah. So he, he kind of liked. I mean, he, he also suffered. He had a, a bad pneumonia. He stayed two days, found out he had plain old pneumonia. And this is the most lovely part. If you go to Tony's Facebook page, you can read his full story about this. Um, he would hear every, like, 15, 20 minutes, every half hour, you start to hear, do 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 here comes the sun, do 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 it's all right, do 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 in the George Harrison Beatles song. And so, and it's like, am I going crazy? Am I feverish? Why does somebody keep playing this? And one of the, the nurses, one of the staff told him that every time someone who had come into the hospital with COVID and was a patient there, went home and was released, uh, they would play, here comes the sun. You know, play that song, you know, and, you know, he found that very touching, very moving, and, and it was a really lovely thing, because it was this moment when the staff and the doctors and everyone could say, oh, we saved another one. Someone's walking out of here. They're not coming out in a body bag. Someone's alive and going to be well. Wow. Here comes the sun. 
And when Tony left, they asked him, they said, we, you, you didn't have COVID, but you were here with pneumonia for two days. I said, okay, if you play the song. And he's like, you betcha. And he, he went out of there to, um, it's all right, here comes the sun. Isn't that wonderful? That's, that's a lovely story. And we hope Tony is, um, is getting better. And he's over, I know pneumonia takes some time, but, but is getting better and looked after because we want Tony with us for a very long he, time to come. Went to your reading. He was wonderful. Yes, he was. He yes, was he wonderful. is, is, is alive, getting well. Reading, he was wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to let you know that um, Annie Golden, our guest from just two or three weeks ago, is in, well, she was in an off-Broadway show <laughs> when there was off-Broadway called Broadway Bounty Hunter. Well, it was written kind of specifically for her. Well, the original cast recording is, uh, is now released on Ghostlight Records, and it's available wherever you can get your music. So here, Annie Goldwyn, Golden, excuse me, in Broadway Bounty Hunter, and or she is taking part, as she told us, in this online digital musical podcast, it's not, not visual, it's just audio, called Bleeding Love. Yes, Annie Golden, <laughs> Bleeding Love. And it's all about life during sort of sheltering and pan pandemic and post-apocalyptic kind of thing. She plays Madame Floyd in this musical that you can listen to via Apple Podcast. I gave a, a, a bit of a listen early this week. I find it a little bit like kind of noisy in, in your face, but also some pretty good music there and she's pretty good. So you might want to check it out yourself. It's uh, Bleeding Love, <laughs> the musical at Apple Podcasts. Want to let you know that tonight at eight o'clock, you can see and hear Yorma Kalkinen doing a quarantine concert live on YouTube. Well, no, Yorma Kalkinen from Jefferson Airplane. Oh, yeah. Yorma Kalkinen from Acoustic Hot Tuna and regular you know, electric medley hot, hot tuna. All of that, he's doing his quarantine concert from his Fur Peace Ranch. So you're gonna to wanna to check that out for free on YouTube tonight at eight o'clock. Um, wanna let you know ooh, that on this past Wednesday, Amy Mann, took part in writing one of the 2,400 <laughs> giving me a look. Uh, she knows that that's one of my old heartthrobs there. Amy Mann took part in writing one of the 24-hour musicals that they're doing. They moved that online as well. So it's, they get these people together, directors, writers, songwriters, actors, and they have 24 hours to create a five or 10-minute musical from scratch. They've got to write it, They've got to edit it, they've got to rehearse it, and then they've got to perform it within a 24-hour span. And usually they would do this on a stage in, in, a, um, in a theater. Now, of course, they're doing it digitally, and that's what they did. You can see the results at 24hourmusicals.com. I uh, want to let you know that on this coming Wednesday, April 29th, our friend of the neighborhood, Richard Nelson, the playwright. Now, he's been working on for like a decade now uh, a play series called the Rhinebeck Panorama. All these plays, these intimate chamber plays about one family, the Apple family. And it's, it's really about real life. It, it's very, um, almost like the Frederick Wiseman version of theater. It, it, it's just a family sitting around the kitchen table, talking politics, talking family, having relationship issues, just in a normal way. It's not Sturm und Drang, it's, there's no deus ex machina it's an American family in modern times. And he's written a few different plays about it. He's got another one. They can't put it on anywhere, so they're gonna be doing it on um, virtually, digitally, I guess, cutting from one to the other 
although we have to zoom it. It will be free on the Public Theater's YouTube channel. Uh, what's it called? It's called, oh, I don't have the name of the play. I'm very sorry. But it's That's by, a horrible name. <laughs> it's by Richard Nelson and features our other friend of the neighborhood, J.O. Sanders, because oh, wow. he's been in all those Apple family plays as well. Uh, also, want to remind you that on May 1st, Steve Forbert's new album, Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues, drops on Blue Rose Music label records. Get it where you get your music from. Jane Sibbery is still doing her nightly meditations for all of us who are cloistered, as is she. So you want to check her out on her Facebook page, Jane Sibbery, S-I-B-E-R-R-Y. We'll remind you, even though there's nothing to read about um, at the moment, that Evan Seplo is a great friend of ours and his Website, stagebuddy.com, is a great place to uh, find some stuff about New York. If, if you're hankering to read about New York theater and live music and other cultural activities, and you miss it and you want to read about it from the past 10 years, go to stagebuddy.com. That's his website. Dr. Demento, doing Dr. Demento shows at drdemento.com. Soundsofbroadway.com, if you want to listen to Broadway show tunes 24-7. And Bob Cudmore, doing podcasts about upstate New York history at bobcudmore.com. Those, my friends, are the friends of the neighborhood. <laughs> Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you're watching Dave's Gone By. We're into overtime time because we still have a little more to do. I, I, I've been promising the last couple of weeks that we would do Greeley Crimes and Old Times, even though there aren't any old times being added now because they're, <laughs> they're furloughing half the staff at the Tribune. Uh, they're still doing some cop log stuff. And so that we don't get backlogged with it, and these are really, really fun. These are items that appear in the Greeley Tribune. That is the local newspaper where Joyce and I were living for a lot of years. They have two columns in there every week, one of which is phone calls that come into the Greeley and Weld County Police Dispatch from uh, people who either need help themselves or find that other people might need help in a rather humorous way. But this is actual, these are taken from um, police dispatch transcripts, which I guess are public record. So you want to, we mix those up with items that were in the Greeley Tribune or what was then called the Tribune Republican back in 1920, 100 years ago. We call the segment Greeley Crimes and Old Times. <laughs> Okay, so are you ready for, for some times, ladies and gentlemen, and, and my darling wife, Joyce? I can't use my phone because somebody is using my hotspot, so I have to, like, take your phone. Well, why, why do you need your phone? What you, what you may need are these sound effects machines, because it's a very important one. Let's do a crime, ladies and gentlemen, a recent crime coming out of Greeley, Colorado, according to police dispatch. A caller reported that a craft store in Center Place Drive, that's a, a place where a lot of stores are, was still open when they should have been closed. And the caller demanded that police shut them down. Police instead told this caller about other resources for COVID-19 concerns. At 
a quarter after one on the same day, another caller complained that the store was open. Oh, wait, wait, we don't have the, where's the telephone? Oh, I know, telephone, is this, is this, I got Whitey here? Um, it's probably in that, in that bin over there. <laughs> oh, that sounds familiar. Meanwhile, a caller near 22nd Street called the police and wanted to know if an ice cream truck is considered an essential business. It is. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I, think so. I mean, my gosh, you know, if they start, they stop giving out ice cream. Because I was joking about this a couple of weeks ago when I was walking down um, the, not Broadway, New York City, but Broadway where we live, and the bakery was open. And I'm like, okay, are, are Mondel breads and, and hamantaschen and, you know, snack loaves, loaves essential? And, and Joyce was like, well, yeah, it's prepared food. People need food and, and people don't necessarily have ovens and can cook and stuff. They need food that they can buy that is prepared. They are essential. So yeah, and so is ice cream. I totally agree. Wanna let you, well, not wanna let you know. Moving on with other aspects of grisly crimes and old times. Here's some old time stuff. Um, there are several censuses occurring, or is it sensei? Uh, I guess I'll have to ask my sensei, but several censuses are occurring in Greeley at this time. A boy census for the Boy Scouts, a male census for the Rotary Club, which mm -hmm. just kind of goes around and around in circles, a church census, and the police are performing a dog census. Ooh, dog census. And it's like, uh, excuse me, sir, how many dogs are currently living in your doghouse? I mean, like, Seven. okay. Yeah, oh, well, that could be. Now, also from the newspapers 100 years ago, the son of a jail prisoner brought him a new pair of boots. What do you think was nailed to the soles of those boots? Baby Jesus? <laughs> no. What? Well, think, think. We've seen this in so many episodes of shows and-, and Oh, money. Uh, no, but you're in sort of the right area. You're gonna bring a prisoner something that is attached to his boots. Oh, a, um what do you call the thing? A uh, um, razor. A hacksaw blade. Very good. Yes, a couple of hacksaw blades. The father used them to cut through his cell bars, but he was caught before he could completely escape. The father is now on bread and water in jail, and the son is in another cell. Oh, well. Oh, well I, I love when families participate. You know, they say the family that loots and steals together stays together. So. Well, wait, if you were the son and you thought you could get your dad out of jail, would you, would you do anything to do it? Maybe. Um, I like to think that I would try it. I'd probably get caught. <laughs> I'd get caught with the, uh, the, something in the boot. You mean, a, you mean your butt? My luck, I wouldn't even be able to find a hacksaw. I'd be, look, I, I, I found the spoon. <laughs> I mean, dig really, just keep digging for a while. Go slow. Anywho, more grisly crimes in old times. A caller on 6th Street reported that he was being followed. The <laughs> and the caller asked for police contact only by phone, saying he doesn't trust cops. Wondering if he, he owns a craft store. <laughs> I think he's got a problem. Uh -huh. A caller at a supermarket at 69th and 10th, we know that, that big one there, Yes. Reported an extremely drunk man with a cane and a Miller light who was causing issues with customers. Oh, I, I, I have nothing, I don't know, I, I've got nothing funny to say about that. 
Um, oh. Do you think that Miller Lite was made with corn syrup? No, just cane. That's terrible. That's not even, I, I'm sorry. I really, I apologize for that. I, do I have to apologize for this next one? Police responded to 12th Street for a woman peeing on the wall and trying to steal a bicycle tire. How can you do, I, now I, I multitask a lot. Yeah. But even I could not pee on a wall and get a tire going. And, and honestly, can a woman pee on a wall? I guess you can. I mean, if she has a, I don't know. I mean, I've seen you pee. It just goes straight down if you're a girl. It's, just, it's like a little baby water fountain. And like, how does how do you pee up against a wall if you're a girl? It's hard, but you know. That takes practice. As does stealing a uh, stealing a bicycle. Wow, peeing. That's pretty good. Yeah. Moving on. Let's see. Oh, and by the way, that was from recent times. Just so you know. The Women's Christian Temperance Union, which is very opposed to alcohol. Uh, has made comment that they don't oppose tobacco. <laughs> and they said they will not fight the use of weed by adults. That's, that's kind of a cute, but they, they were calling tobacco weed back then. Was, uh, yeah. I don't think so. I think they you were know, talking they were, about guns. I don't think so. Not then. Uh, let's do a couple more of really current times from Coplog in our really Times Old Time segment. For example, police responded to E Street Oh, Potato Duck here's, here's the deal This was an animal related call The caller said her neighbor had quote, too many ducks and she was concerned for the duck's welfare Yeah, because if I'm a cop I want to be, well you know, cops are probably not getting nearly as many Calls as they normally would. Well, domestic. They'd be called for a lot of domestic stuff because people are cooped up together and want to kill each other. But they're not going to get as many, probably, thefts and pickpockets and what have you. But the, 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 there's probably an 800% increase in too many ducks calls, if I you ask me. so, yes. Yeah, yeah. And oof, that's going to lead to a big bill. <laughs> I read about that on the web. <laughs> Yes, indeed. I quack myself up. I do. I do, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, do, do I make you quail with my jokes? <laughs> I'm a silly goose. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This show's taking a swan dive as we speak. Ladies and gentlemen, a little bit more. One more. One more of Grilly Crimes at All Times. I won't make you suffer this anymore. Wow. Wow. This is one of my favorites of uh, all recent times of Grilly Crimes at All Times. And this happened at 4.20 in the morning. 420. I wonder if it happened on April 20th, too. A caller on 2nd Avenue Court reported that a neighbor started a fire and loudly yelled, Morning! 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 <laughs> like, before 4.30 in the a.m., Nice. Starts a fire in his yard. Morning, morning, morning. If morning. you start a fire in your yard, you should yell that, right? The caller also said the neighbor was yelling about killing all the other neighbors with rocket launchers and grenades. I like him. Oh, man. I know, you know, maybe our university president has to do something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who, what co-op board let that guy on. 
I know. <laughs> oh man. Well, it is we're we're past the morning, morning, morning here on Dave's Town By. It's well into the afternoon. And that, my friends, was Grilly Crimes and Old Times. Mr. Horace Greeley was no fool. I'm sure that you'll agree with me that Greeley was no fool. What he is getting Mr. Greeley was no fool. So it is about 25 after 12 Eastern time here in the neighborhood. You're watching the Dave's Gone By Facebook, your podcast, your programio of the stream, reminding you, of course, that we have our website, Dave's Gone Bit. Davesgoneby.com, where all our archives reside. They are free, going all the way back to our first episode from October of 2002, all the way to the episode that we did last week. And if you give us a few hours, or maybe a day, we'll have today's episode loaded up there as well. You can also scroll down on our Facebook page and watch the past two years, really, two and a half years of our Facebook shows. And then before that, you can either go to davesgoneby.com or archive.org to watch and or hear all our episodes going back 17 and a half years. If you want to contact me, it's davesgoneby at aol.com or just message me right here on Facebook. If you want to find out more about Rabbi Saul, shalomdammit.com is the place to do that. Shalom, D-A-M-I-T, shalomdammit.com. That is the place to read and hear his mini sermons, his rabbinical Reflections. It's also the place where you can watch his solo show, Shalom Dammit, an evening with Rabbi Saul Solomon that he did back in um, Off-Off-Broadway many years ago now. And it's also the place where you can see his TV show, Shalom Dammit, Rabbi Saul Solomon's Peace, Love, and Acid Reflux Hour, the 10 episodes that he did for Long Island Cable Television about a decade ago. It's all there at shalomdammit.com. Uh, the rabbi also has a Twitter feed at Rabbi Saul Solomon. I've got a Twitter feed, which you should follow. It's Radio Dave 2, Radio Dave the number two. What else can I tell you? Um, no, I guess we're about to, oh no, we're not. Oh, you thought I'd forget. You thought I'd spare you. But we haven't done the wretched pun of destiny yet. This is where we make, uh, we tell a story that is capped by a play on words that is just egregious, that is just stomach turning and, and nauseating because puns are indeed the lowest form of wit if they are wit at all, and that's why I love them. So yes, we're gonna have a wretched pun of destiny all about eggs right now. Oh, as soon as I play this. The Dave's Gone By Wretched Pun of Destiny. <clears throat> Ahem. Hiram was having much success with his egg farm, raising extra large and jumbo eggs right from the ground. But one morning, he woke to find his crop all cracked with half-cooked egg white and runny yolks all over the soil. So he replanted the field 
the eggs started growing, and all was fine until again, one morning, all was cooked and cracked. So he replanted a third time, and he told his oldest son, I think I know what's going on. Tonight we'll hide in the fields and see for ourselves. Hiram and Hiram Jr. did just that. Hidden behind some bushes, they camped out overnight and watched the egg field. Just after midnight, three men stole into the field and with giant canisters began pouring boiling water all over the eggs. Just as I suspected, Hiram whispered to his son, poachers. We here at Dave's Gone By apologize for bringing you the wretched pun of destiny. Yeah, we're not proud, ladies and gentlemen. We won't do whatever and whoever here on Dave's Gone By every Saturday from nine until noon or thereabouts. And are thereabouts currently on just before 12.30 in the afternoon, Eastern time. Uh, I wanna thank you so much for tuning in, especially those of you who were tuned in and then got tuned out because we had to stop tape for about five minutes or so. And then we came back and we've got even more people writing and tuning in. Remember if I couldn't acknowledge your little messages because I'm, I'm looking at a Zoom window uh, more than a Facebook window through, through this whole show. So I can't just suddenly see all your messages, but I'm thrilled that you've been there. All the folks who tuned in, all the folks who will watch this program or, or maybe you're watching it not when we're live, but a week or a month or a year later, welcome to you too. Tell everyone you know about this show. We've had this jump in viewership over the last few weeks, which is wonderful. And so many people um, talking more about the show and about me and Rabbi Saul Solomon and the potatoes. It's really, you know, as we grow our community, we can grow the show. And I'm, I'm really hoping for that. And you all are part and parcel of that. Please Drop me an email, davesgoneby at AOL.com. Drop me a message on our Facebook page and tell folks to like and follow this show. I know we're a Facebook Live um, pod, uh, broadcast, a podcast. You don't have to be a friend. I don't have to invite you or have you like the page or follow the page to watch the program live on Saturday mornings. So if there's people you know who have Facebook, but they don't want to join anything when they're worried about their information or something like that, or they don't necessarily want to be friends with me, they don't have to. all they have to do is go to my Dave's Gone By page on Facebook to watch the show live or check out the show and repeats at davesgoneby.com. Well, that is the end of our 743rd episode of the program that we have been calling Lou me tunes in honor of our guest Jeffrey Lewis in the neighborhood. Please, please, please go to the Jeffrey Lewis site.com to get his music, to get his comic book work, and to just check out what he's been doing with himself both pre and during COVID. The Jeffrey Lewis site.com. We thank him very, very much for, for being such a, a natural and fun guest with us in the neighborhood. Thank you to Rabbi Saul Solomon. Check out shalomdammit.com. Thank you to my wonderful, adorable, and supportive wife, Joyce, for all her help with the show. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Remember, we should be back 
Yeah, good Lord willing, and the COVID don't rise next Saturday, first Saturday in May, for the 744th episode of Dave's Gone By. Until then, stay healthy, you know, of course, and uh, stay COVID-free. Wear your masks, you know, and, and um, if you're interested in that oil deal I was talking about, I, I don't think it's still 36 minus dollars per barrel. It may be down to like minus 10. Still, still a bargain. If you've got the space, I've got the, the wallet to take the cash. They'll give me, let's buy some oil drums together. And gone by. Dave's gone by. Dave's gone by. See, you all thought that I ended the show late, but in fact, I ended oily. <laughs> Come by.